bam, we're live. Show starts. All right. Just like that. <laughs> One said to me, have you seen this Instagram account? I said, no. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is so awesome. Who is this lady? <laughs> contact her. Contact her. Get her on the podcast. I'm all, I already did. I already did as soon as you sent me the, the link. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? Good. I'm Sevon. Very nice to meet you. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Finally. We are uh, live on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and um, what's the other one with the bird? Uh, no, Twitch. Twitch. But no one watches it on those. People only watch it on YouTube. Every time I go over to those other accounts, it says zero views. Yeah. I've never even heard of Twitch. I, I think you have to play <laughs> video games to know. It's 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 a it's a, it's a uh, it's like YouTube, but like famous basketball players and stuff go there and play video games, and then kids get to watch them play. <laughs> Maybe hilarious. you could start a live birthing channel on there. Yeah. <laughs> I went to this Instagram account the other day, and someone said, "Hey, you can watch live births on this Instagram account." And I went over there, and I was watching some of the live births, and there, I, I saw all three of my kids be born. Um, yeah. From, up up close and in hd and um i i would not have wanted to see those i i would not have wanted to see other births before i saw no it, it, no it was so different it was so different what do you think about that should do you think um what do you think about that how do women usually react should they just do it or or the husbands react or the or the partners react should they just i think it's it different themselves? like i show well i did i used to show lance birth videos it was like, I'm good on the birth videos. I'll be present at ours whenever that happens. I'm fully there, but I don't want to see your friends birthing. <laughs> Lance is your husband? We actually get married in a month. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you have kids already? No, I do oh. not. We're open to it, but oh. um, yeah. Been we had our first kid. Well, I, I, I'm married and we had our first kid and then we didn't... We weren't married. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to get married and we didn't have kids. And then she, my wife wanted to have kids. And then, so we had one kid and then, and then, um, and then we got married and it was, it was a trip because I just thought being married was kind of just tool of the man shit. Just like, and, and that's kind of why I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to just do whatever like everyone else was doing, not even what yeah. everyone else was doing. I just didn't see the value in it for me. Right. But then we got married for like legal reasons. I started being concerned that if I died or she died, that it would complicate things if we weren't married. But then once we got married, it was, we just went to a courthouse and it was actually, um, something changed. Yeah. Or at least, at least I'm pretending like something changed <laughs> for the better. That's awesome. <laughs> what, what, so what, t tell me what is birth fit? Oh yeah, Absolutely. So BirthFit, in the simplest terms, is an online resource and community. And we have training programs for preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. We also have a... Can you break that down for me really yeah. quick, those three things? Yeah, absolutely. So preconception, the, we have a general strength and conditioning program for women in all seasons and cycles of their lives. And so we train in harmony with the menstrual cycle. So we don't do the same thing or the same intensity or the same loads or the same volumes 
every day. Um, there's different times of our cycles where that's appropriate. And I love this program because it empowers women to get in touch with their cycle. And um, so many of us were not taught to just honor and respect our um, menstrual cycle while growing up. And that's like one of the, I think one of the foundational pillars before even trying to conceive or going down that route of, hey, we want to have kids. Let's see what kind of like what kind of health we're in and use our menstrual cycle to explore that. Um, uh, quick, yeah. Sorry, two questions already. One, is there some conventional wisdom of how you should train differently during your menstrual cycle? I guess two, what is your menstrual cycle? Is that the week before or is that actually during, I don't even know what you call the process for lack of yeah. a bleed. Is that while you're bleeding? And then my third question is, when you say get in touch with your menstrual cycle, is this something that like a thousand years ago you would have never had to have talked about because you just, yeah. you just, people would just were in touch with it. What does that mean to be in touch yes. with your menstrual cycle? Is it something <laughs> yes. that was lost or is it something that we've evolved so much as humans now we're doing? I think. Sorry, it was, I know that's a lot. Yeah, to those are like. Th okay, let me see if I can answer all three of those questions. The first but, one was: Do you train different? How do you train different through as a woman through yeah. the days? So during our menstrual, like the menstrual cycle, we say that as a like all encompassing term for a woman's cycle, and an average cycle is anywhere from twenty eight to thirty five days, and it's like day one of bleeding is day one of the cycle, and. Bleeding can last three to seven days. If it lasts any longer than that, then let's let's start um, investigating. And um, women ovulate basically one day of the month, um, whereas you know, and that's when the the ovulation is from when it pop the egg pops out of the ovary mm -hmm. to it traveling down the fallopian tubes. Is that's the, that is the ovulation cycle that yeah. journey. Yes, when a woman okay. is fertile. Okay. So basically, the oh, so even beyond the fallopian tubes. Yeah. So when a sperm and egg want to meet, like the eggs release, the sperm is probably already in there, or um, an e or a sperm can be viable for five to seven days. And good boys, good boys, and, girls, <laughs> and, girls. and they're just hanging out, hopefully in this hospitable environment. And, um, yeah. And then whenever ovulation happens, whenever the eggs released, then ideally I picture like a football team, like, um, American football where they're trying to get the one, the one player with the football across the goal line. Uh -huh. And that's what's happening with sperm. They're trying to get the one player across the goal line and on the egg side of things, they are sending out um, cell signals. They're like, oh, that one's good. That one's good. That, that one's not. Oh, really? Good. There's a choosing process like that too? Yeah, absolutely. It's not, the egg is not as passive as, a, as um, you know, once was thought or we were probably taught in school. This it's is like, like that horrific show, The Bachelor. I just had a, a, a contestant horrific. from the Get Bachelor on and I watched that show. Do not watch that show. But wow, this is like that. This is like that. Yeah. Wow. And so... Um, okay, so back to the menstrual. So menses is day one, bleeding is okay. day one, whatever you want to call it. And it will last three to seven days. And then you're inside of the follicular phase. And um, basically, that's the first half of the cycle. The second half of the cycle is the luteal phase. 
And once ovulation happens, that's kind of the, the mid cycle. And then we start to shift into the luteal phase. And um, if pregnancy doesn't happen, if there's no conception, then, um, then the bleeding, the menses will happen again, and the cycle will start all over. And so if we're thinking about training, and specifically looking at um, like bleeding and that time frame, you know, one of the easiest examples I can give is this is not a time to be doing um, like inversions, like handstands or um, like PRs, going for your PRs, especially during the first one to three days of your cycle, because um, like energetically, this is a release. You're trying to get things out of your body. And if you're going upside down, that you're just like defying, like trying to go against gravity there. And so, you know, like your question, you know, is this an ancient knowledge that we lost? Yes, because traditions and cultures all over the world would kind of treat and honor the menstrual cycle and the bleeding as a sacred event. And it would be a time of slowing down, a time of reflection, a time of like, especially for women, like we can look back at this, this cycle or this month and be like, okay, checking in with myself. Am I where I want to be in life? You know, am I honoring my lifestyle practices, my values, things like that? How did training look? What's going on with my career? What's going on with work? Things like that. And so it's a big time of reflection. And then as the bleeding stops and tapers off, we start to gain more energy. And the peak of energy and ideally the peak of, um, you know, when we feel our most alive or our sexiest, or we start putting out vibes of like, let's, let's, um, let's make a baby, you know, then all that kind of peaks around ovulation. And that's the best time to like, go for personal best, go like run a race, try to get your best PR, your time, um, lift your personal best in like whatever weightlifting you're doing. Um, it, it was really a time to like celebrate you and, um, just really go for it. It's an awesome time to do high intensity interval training, um, and really push yourself in the gym or on the track or wherever you're training. And then it sort of tapers off again. And this goes into the luteal phase. And I like to think of the luteal phase as, um, like two halves because the first half is still, you still have the benefits of some of that higher energy, but you're starting, it's starting to come down. And this is when, um, you know, if people are deficient or um, they have like a real, like a ton of estrogen and not a lot of progesterone in their body, or um, that's, that's the best scenario. Like if they, if progesterone is lacking, then this can be a time of like PMS or, um, you know, the cravings of, um, give me all the chocolate, give me all the carbs, give me all the sourdough bread. Um, and then the second half of the cycle is like really that. And it's more of like, I don't want to do anything. I kind of just want to lay on the couch. Um, and so as we get close to bleeding again, some people will say, Hey, just take a rest day. Like <laughs> all you need is to walk, maybe do some basic movements and just taper, taper down a little bit. And so it's kind of like just a wave and honoring the cycle. And in, in that sense, and you know, there's, um, 
kind of big picture stuff, but we get really specific inside of B community and see what, see what people need and what they want in that season of their life. What city are you in? I'm actually in Wimberley, Texas, which is 45 minutes outside of Austin. And, and did you see, I, I, is that, is it at BirthFit on Instagram? I changed it on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're in Texas and did you find, are, are you a CrossFit practitioner who's like, Hey, I'm going to take this and, 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 um, and acknowledge, and acknowledge that there's women who have you're like, how did you start this? <laughs> yeah. Acknowledge that there's women who do menstrual cycles, who, who do CrossFit. I mean, is that, you're like, well, hey, okay. So my journey started, Yeah. My journey started back in, I lived in California, specifically Venice for 13 years. And I went out to California to go to. Wait, sorry. Sorry. When did you leave? I left in 2018. Mm. (laughs) That could be a whole nother podcast. Okay. Uh, Just sorry. Just one side note. I know the question is, is how did this start? Uh, Or what your inspiration? Um, why, Why did you leave Venice? Well, I had gone through a big breakup and I was trying to get back to Texas like eh, probably a year or two sooner or at least make my way back here. And whenever that happened, I was like, it's time. I've expired. My my chapter is closed here. It's time to go back to Texas. And this is my home. This is where I grew up. This is this is what's um what I call home in my soul and I was ready to get back to the hill country. Are you tripping on what's happening to Venice? Yeah, it's like the Venice I know and love, like I loved Venice and I don't have like anything ill to speak of Venice, but, and I was lucky enough to be there at the time I was, and I had a great community there. Um, I just think it's, it's not in a good place right now. Yeah, it's, 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 it's getting wounded. Okay, well, uh, we digress, my bad. I, I, I just, I've been watching it over the last two years and it's... uh but congratulations for living there. It's one of those places that I think probably a lot of people dream about living. They don't um, grab life by the balls and go do it. And so congratulations that you went. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, that, I had a great cool. life there. Like I worked, like I worked at a birth center and I could ride my oh, bike wow. down the boardwalk to like, I would ride it down Rose Avenue, turn left on the boardwalk and then ride it to Washington. And I would be there in like 20 minutes. Is is a birth center uh it, it's it's something it's not a hospital but it's a place where women go to have babies that's more like right. their home i guess yeah it's so that one was set up with uh two birthing rooms and it's basically each birthing room has a bed a shower it's like a hotel with um that's a little more friendly um has all the supplies you could possibly need you know except like there's no iv there's no surgical unit um and why yeah. wouldn't someone just have a baby at home? Don't worry. I'm not going to forget that we're talking about Texas. <laughs> why, why wouldn't someone just have a baby at home? I, I'm extremely biased, by the way. I have to just tell you. Yeah. Um, uh, in a nutshell, we had our babies at home. That was not the plan. The plan was to do them in a hospital in the safest place in the world. After having baby, and I thought people who had babies at home were fucking nuts <laughs> and, and brave. After having the babies at home, my, the whole script is flipped. The bravest people in the world are people who would dare to go into a hospital and have babies in the hospital. It is, and I'm no woman, so and I'm totally welcome to the hate in the comments. But um, the thought of moving my wife and the baby after they had after they were born, 
it, it, it's literally, I don't know if you guys have ever um, seen a nest fall out of a tree or been working on a tree and you knock a nest out of a tree. There's something that happens to you viscerally that is very, very bad. Even as a young kid, you feel it. Mm-hmm. You don't like to see a, a, a nest of any animal, but but because we're city dwellers, we mostly as kids, we've seen it as birds. You don't like that feeling. It makes me almost want to cry just thinking about it now. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I, so I trip on, it's cool that there are birth centers, but I just can't, I just want to say that bias. I can't imagine having a baby in a hospital now that I've had it at home. I just can't, um, it's so awesome my wife, my wife, be, yeah. How could my, like a car after a woman has a baby as the man, I viewed the car as a vile piece of machinery. I couldn't imagine putting my baby in a baby seat. Um, I, the thought of that, uh, that, that those materials touching my baby, like mm-hmm. all of that. And I never thought of that stuff ever ever i just thought the hospital is the safest place ever so so th- so i just wanted to tell you i have a really strong bias well, what i know a lot of people are like mind? oh it's okay everyone should do what they want we should be open i'm not like that i'm like no fucking have the baby at home i really it's, it sucks well where was minded the I am. for you when did it change so we went we my wife said hey do you want to do a birthing class and i'm and i just was just like sure whatever and it was a birthing class and it was it was called I was going to say it's called homo birthing, but it's called hypno birthing. And it yeah. was, and it was three hours a day, three hours a week, one day a week for like 13 weeks. And we went there and I was just sitting through it and it was a bunch of stuff that I didn't like. Like you had to whisper affirmations into a ear and do all these practices and all this stuff that like, even just now I felt my body twitch. I didn't like, but what I loved was I was in there. I sat on a little couch um, next to my wife for three hours uninterrupted one day a week. And that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I enjoyed, um, and, and, the, and the teacher was great, but she, after, after about a month, after about four classes, she said, Hey, you guys don't seem like you're the, the hospital type. You guys should look into home births. And as we leave, I'm like, this lady's fucking crazy. Like we for <laughs> sure want a hospital. <laughs> like she has no idea what she's talking about. And then um, she said something along the line. She she gave us a, a talk. There was a whole talk about how a, an unconscious woman had a baby, and basically the woman the woman's body has chemical reactions that that happen in a cascade of events that even an unconscious woman who is brain dead would still push the body out. Mm-hmm. That that kind of rocked me to my core. Like after mm-hmm. she told us that, that was like an hour long lecture. I thought about that. I still think about that all the time. But for like a week, I couldn't get that out of my head. Like, wait a minute, this is just. This baby's coming out. This is nature. Yes. No matter what, this baby's coming out. There's no, it's not staying in there. Yeah. And, and, um, and then we were at my wife's, is it called an OGBYN? It's the lady that's going to be, yeah. And she was, we were in there and I, and I said to her, I said, Hey, so when we come in and I referenced, she'd be at the pregnancy and she snapped at me. She goes, I can't promise I'll be there. I don't work 24 hours a day. And the way she said it, like I was a fucking idiot. I was like, okay, I'll take that one on the chin. (laughs) And then she said at another meeting, this is a partnership. And we had learned in our birthing class that if you have events that you would, if you, you, you have a birthing plan with your wife and then if your wife starts to come off of the birthing plan, your job is to create not only spiritual space, which is a whole nother subject that I wish that just a fascinating subject that I hope we can get into, but, but also to create temporal space, to create time space for your wife to try to get back on track. So for example, if she would, if, um, in the class, they tell you if your wife, if they offer your wife, 
I don't know what the, I forget what the drugs are, but if they offer her some sort of drug and she says yes, and the plan is she didn't want it, you would say to the people, um, the doctors and nurses, hey, can you give my wife and I just two minutes? And yeah. then they leave the room and I would take my wife through these breathing exercises that we had planned and try to get her back on track. Not because I don't want her to take the drug, just, not because she doesn't want, just because we have a plan and I'm I'm there as the husband yeah. to assist her to stay on her plan, mm-hmm. create some, to some time to rethink it. Absolutely. And, uh, the same way, like you might want a cigarette when you're quitting, but you have to like make space and move on to the next thing. Or if you're in the 12 step program as an alcoholic. So, um, so she, I said to her something, can we not have a pick in so that if she, if she, um, if she asks for the drugs, we have an extra step while they put the pick in before they put the actual drugs in. And the doctor said to me, that's non-negotiable right in the breath previously to that, that she told me that we're a team. So then I told my wife, I said, all right, cool. Uh, and she had already been hinting that she wanted to have a midwife at the birth. I, and it was, it, it was, it's not cheap. It was like 10 grand or something. And I'm like, let's do it. And she got a midwife. And then like, and, and of course the, the birthing coach was right. We, we, we yeah. were not hospital people. We were, and the, and the midwife said this to us, I, there's no one more conservative than me. I am more scared and more conservative than even the doctor. If there's, if there's a hint of anything going wrong, even days before you will not have this baby at home, I will drag you to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Whoa, shit. And she was right. <laughs> That's so was, awesome. Yeah. It's so and I saw them create she- space and I learned how to create. I mean, I already knew my wife had already taught me, 10 or 15 years before the concept of creating space and working on creating space just in our own relationship to be present for the other person. But then when I saw the midwives do it during the pregnancy, I was like, Oh, this is some like next level, like <laughs> sorcery Buddhist shit. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, they didn't do anything, they, mm-hmm. they but they did everything. Yeah. yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. That's so, anyway, so, awesome. so that's why I have that biased. I love it. Right. Okay. So sorry. I love um, it. So you move, so you move to, uh, damn. Um, uh, so, um, you moved to tech. Why, why did you move to Texas? And it sounds like you were already doing the birthing thing in Venice. Yeah. So I moved originally out to Los Angeles in 2006 to go to chiropractic school. And, um, I knew I wanted to be a chiropractor and I knew I wanted to help people, um, naturally or with my hands because I had a really profound experience when I studied abroad in Africa and where uh, in Africa I went to Tanzania okay and um that was like a wake-up call for me I did that in undergrad and at that moment I was on like the pre-med route ready to go to medical school but when I got to Africa we were doing a medical mission trip and doing triage and we were there and we were prescribing medication. And um, I was like, wait, we're going to be gone in a few months and people are going to run out of medication. And we haven't really supported their lifestyle or their practices. All we've done is like bring in our mess. And now, now they're addicted to drugs. And so, you know, this was back in like 2004, 2005, where I had to call my parents from a payphone in Africa and say, I'm not going to. And what is a payphone, Lindsay, for those who don't know? I'm just joking. <laughs> like I had to get a calling card to get to the payphone and uh, walk a mile to the city. But anyways, I told my parents, I was like, I'm not going to medical school. Count me out. I can't do that. I need something else. I'm, I need something natural. 
And so I came home and worked, waited tables uh, in my hometown of New Braunfels, which will be relevant later. Um, and I saved enough money to go to Los Angeles to attend chiropractic school. And One quick question. In 2006, when you were in Tanzania, did you see any live births there? No, we did. Okay. Um, I saw lots, lots of things, but actually no birth. Okay. And I'll tell you the one thing that kind of changed, like that was like divine intervention, mind blowing was a mom that brought me her son. And this was her sixth kid. And he was probably, I would say like five, six, seven years old. And they like, we would set up shop in like, like as big as this room, this like, 10 by 10 room and um people would show up from all over like we would say we're having clinic come in and people would walk forever and then on days we weren't there we would walk to really remote villages and see the people that couldn't walk to us um so like the intention was so i loved it so much but this mom that brought her son to me um she told me that he was having seizures and that he was paralyzed on um, one side of his body. And when I examined him, he had a little bit of use, but not much of his like left hand. Like he could walk, but it was like dragging. And um, knowing what I know now, I would have like delivered chiropractic adjustments in a heartbeat. Um, but at the time, all they wanted me to do, like my overseeing doc there, all they wanted me to do was prescribe um, like a sedative um, to, so his mom could give him a sedative whenever he was having a seizure. And um, I said, that doesn't make any sense because like I said, this is the medication's going to run out. She was thinking her son was possessed and he's not like long story short. I traced back that um, he had gotten meningitis that had gotten all the way up to the brain um, whenever he was young and they couldn't make it to the hospital. Um, and so that's, that's what um, kind of affected him. But um, I, I took the mom outside with the translator, told her what was going on. I was like, look, your son's not possessed. Um, there's no evil. He's a beautiful spirit, but um, he does need extra love and care. And, the, what they want to do is offer this medication whenever he's um, having a seizure. It's up to you if you want to take it or not. But um, I would sort of work through this with him. And it was it was the gnarliest experience because she just cried and cried and cried with me. And that's when I knew I was like, gosh, oh, shit, I can't do this. Like this, th this is no good. I need better tools. Like I don't have the tools I need to help this situation. Um, so that was the case that got me, but, um, yeah, no births in Africa. I didn't, you, say, Oh, go that, ahead. That, that statement you just said, I don't have the tools. And, and I've talked about this ad nauseum and I've been around Greg Glassman and, and, and so I'm, I'm guilty of being brainwashed, but, but, but the, but the shtick goes like this. 86% of all medical costs go towards healing go towards all med 80, 86% of all medical expenditures go towards fixing a problem that doctors do not have the tools to fix. I would and, agree. 
and um, and and the fourteen percent, which are the gunshots, um, the falling down the stairs, um, the crashing on your bike. Doctors have amazing tools, yes. amazing tools to fix. I mean, and, and and God bless those doctors who do it. And I'll address something that someone said in the comments here. Thank you to all the firefighters, paramedics who show up on scenes of car accidents, things like that, to help people. But the vast, 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 vast majority of ailments that people go see doctors, the doctors do not have the tool. But what's worse than that is the doctors do then claim they have the tools and fix them. Do you think that if you would have gotten, and I know this is speculative, that if you would have had a medical degree and already spent eight years going to school to become a doctor, it would have been harder to admit that? For sure. Absolutely. Like you'd been like, no way. I'm, I have the cure for you. I'm yeah. Absolutely. Take this met- metaformin. You know what I mean? It's like- <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because like, if you think about what medical school is like, so many of them are sleep deprived. They're nutritional deprived. They're not exercising. Um, oh, there you are. They're, they're just getting, they're in a bubble and they're not seeing the outside world, you know, um, very few medical doctors more so now than ever had done CrossFit by the time I had gotten out of chiropractic school and done CrossFit. So yeah, they're kind of brainwashed in the, inside of this bubble there in, in residency. And all their continuing education is, sorry, most of their continuing education. My wife is like, stop saying all, um, most of their continuing <laughs> education is, is paid for by, uh, pharma anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. um, And and what does that mean, people? That means that your local Coke dealer is telling is sending you off to the golf club to teach you classes on why Coke can heal everything. And then doctors are being brainwashed with that shit. Mm -hmm. And it's not a joke. It's it's not it's not even something I'm saying lightly. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's like like, I've spoke to hundreds of of doctors. I, I I want to address something. I don't know if you can see the client, uh, the comments, Lindsay. I can't. Someone, okay, it's it's on YouTube. Um, and they're and they're scrolling down the site. And, so, and, a, and a gentleman, Kyle Anders, said, "Hey, I understand why people would want home birth, but um, I'm a firefighter and I've been to three home births that have gone wrong, and it's not an ideal plan when there's five grown men carrying a, a, a birthing mother down two flights of stairs." I have only been I I have been to. One, I've been to one hospital birth. There's a very, 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 very wealthy young lady and her husband, and I was in the room. And when we got to the hospital, and I had already had the, the birthing experience with my wife, and I got to the hospital, and the doctor and the nurses came in there, and they, they started hooking this lady up to all sorts of machines, machines that could hear her heartbeat, the baby's heartbeat. They had things plugged in all over her and yeah. she was in this and she was in a bed and she was in a small room and I'm just thinking to myself well, like this isn't like the house like even though we only had a 400 square foot apartment my wife could get up and go to the bathroom or she could move around or she could get into the bathtub this lady was trapped in a bed that wasn't her bed the sheets smelt like a little bit still like bleach I'm th- and I'm thinking to myself wow the baby's gonna come out and this is the first thing the baby's gonna smell and um my kids who are four and six can't even like if I take them like uh, to a jack in the box or something, they went to their first jack in the box about two months ago. They were, they thought the place smelled like complete <laughs> garbage. They they cannot stand the smell of that place. And and, and I'm obviously, um uh, what's that called? Oblivious I, to it. Yeah. I've become, I've been, I'm oblivious to it. I got used to the smell of rotting f- dead garbage flesh coming out of a, 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 a window. Anyway, 
The doctor walks in and he says to her, I've been here six months. I hope this is the first live birth I see and we don't have to do a C-section. That's how he greets the woman. Jesus. Yes. He was That'll such put a you sweet, in a good mind space. Huh? Yeah, he was such a sweet, nice young man. He didn't know any better. Uh, but, but, but what I'm saying is, is you are a firefighter. You are called to situations where there, where there is, um, the worst You're called to only bad shit. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing in defense of my wife's OGBYN. She said, I want you to know that I am trained to find problems. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. And they're trained really good at it. Yeah. Like, they're except trained great at finding problems, diagnosing surgical procedures, all of that. Um, yeah, to touch all of our that, births were illegal, by the way. No, they were all free births or um meaning illegal, meaning we broke law. The state of California, a woman is not allowed to have a home birth past the um two weeks past her oh past 42 weeks. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then you're also not allowed to birth twins at home. Can you imagine this for all you women out there? Yeah. Who like are fighting for rights or people you <laughs> there's fight for those rights like <laughs> like there's plenty of women that have and carry pregnancies to 43 weeks 44 weeks um it's not as common but there are out there and the midwife will check mm -hmm. anyway yeah. okay so to, so 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 you leave tanzania and, and you realize you don't want to be in medical school and uh, go on sorry <laughs> Yeah, so I went to went to Los Angeles for chiropractic school, and that started my, I would call it um, like natural medicine, alternative medicine, alternative healing route. And chiropractic school was awesome in the sense of I really feel like it laid down my um, my values and my personal medical and healing philosophies, which I had been searching for for so much. Um, looking back and doing my homework at um, examining my birth and my health coming in, I realized, oh, whoa, we got a lot of cleaning up to do. And what I mean by that is I was born a month early. And so they put me in NICU and automatically I was separated from my mom. There was no skin to skin. There was no bonding. That golden hour did not happen. I wasn't breastfed. I was fed soy formula and I was fed soy formula in the hospital every day. And I threw up every day and they're like, she does, something's wrong with her GI system. She keeps throwing up. No fools. Like soy formula is no bueno. So like those things were happening to me. I did not have the comfort of my own mother, like that skin to skin, that co-regulation and finally, I got out of the hospital. And within a year and a half, they diagnosed me with asthma. And so then I was put on steroid inhalers, antibiotics for a good portion of my childhood and allergy shots once a week. Like I was one of those sick kids, you know, with the inhalers. And, um, you know, my gut never had a chance to form. There was no bonding, which is so, so crucial for cognitive and social development. There's like a lot of the early things that could have happened or should have happened weren't there. And so I had to revisit that. And chiropractic school helped me explore that because I was exposed to, there are people in chiropractic school that are like second and third generation chiropractors. And they had kiddos. And um, that was the first time I was like, whoa, you had your kids at home? What was that like? Or wow. your kids have never been vaccinated or never had an antibiotic or, and these were the healthiest kids I know. 
And for me, I was like, what would it have been like to grow up like that? You know, to, um, to have that kind of experience and for, you know, instead of taking me to get allergy shots, go to the chiropractor, go to the acupuncturist or change my diet, you know, anything, put me in swimming, some kind of exercise. Um, so all those like got the wheels going and, um, you know, fast forward, I still thought I was going to go the, um, like sports route of chiropractic, the orthopedic stand, stand on the sidelines. Um, because I was, I played soccer and I was a cheerleader in high school and those were like my go-to sports. And, um, I loved, I loved being on the sidelines. What were your go-to sports? Cheerleading and what? Soccer. Okay. Um, and I loved being on the sideline and the support person. Um, fast forward, I got out of chiropractic school and I was hired by a small company and I did, I worked in the Hollywood like film and TV industry. And so I was on the sidelines, but I worked in, um, film on stunts and, um, getting people ready for the biggest stunt of their life or their, you know, recovering, prehabbing all that. So that's where I got really good exposure or really like a ton of experience in, um, rehabbing the body and preparing it and going through that cycle over and over again. I also How about mental preparedness for those people. Absolutely. So, so they're going to go, I mean, I, I say this with all due respect, please don't anyone run, run the wrong direction with this. The biggest stunt a woman will perform in her life will be giving birth. And for sure. Uh, and, um, and, and so, and so on a, on a much smaller scale, a guy, you know, jumping out of a, a 15 story a building window. onto an airbag. Yeah. Um, at that point, are you not only learning the physical, you're learning the mental? Like as you talk yeah. to these people, you're staying present with them. You're like making sure you don't read into their any of their dramatic energy. You're Absolutely. Not, yeah. yeah. And, you know, this company was also hired by some of the greatest athletes in the, war, in the world, like soccer, basketball, whatever. And so I had that exposure and, you know, a blip in my life. I was an athlete, so I could relate a little bit. But um you know, somebody that broke their toe while rehearsing still has to continue to perform and dance on it, you know? And so how do we get out of the pain cycle and just stay present in the, in the rehearsing of it? Um, jumping out of a window, going through glass over and over and over again, breaking ribs, that sort of thing. Um, so I had a lot of experience with that. And I, like I said, the sidelines was like where I thrived. I don't love being the center of attention, but I love supporting. I realized I love supporting people doing what they love and doing what they love and thriving at it. And so just making note of that, I, my first client that ever. One, one more thing too. There's a risk assessment thing. Um, I, I had a, a, a psychiatrist on from Stockholm. He ran the largest psychiatric hospital in Stockholm. Some, something Eberhard. This was like 120 episodes ago. I should have him on again. <laughs> but basically he said what we're seeing right now in society is a mass, mass psychosis and delusion. And it comes around the lack of ability to do risk assessment. Mm. And, and, and risk assessment mm. is, is second and third grade math and to be able to contextualize things. But what you're also saying there is, is, is um, you, you said something that made me think of risk assessment in regards to doing, being on the sidelines stunts. I'll think of it again, but sorry, but risk assessment is, is crazy important. It's crucial. And especially going into the motherhood, parenthood transition. 
Um, yeah. So one of my clients was a, she was an actress and she'd been on a TV show for, for a number of seasons. And she came to me and this is where things started to switch for me. She came to me and said, um, I want to be in the best shape mentally, physically, spiritually, everything for pregnancy because we want to have a baby. And I want to do it in this off season time of the show and recover and then be ready to shoot again. And me growing up standard American, like never been exposed to birth, never saw my mom breastfeed, never saw an aunt or anybody give birth or breastfeed. What I had seen was birth in the movies and the TV shows. Mm. And, you know, as you, you know, now, like it is, that is not birth. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, let's figure this out. Um, and I started taking, this was like one of the only courses at the time was Chris Kresser's baby code. And that was all about nutrition. And then I started studying nutrition around, um, different cultures and tribes of the world. And so we started altering our diet and, um, meaning a lot more animal products, um, animal protein and, um, just cleaning it up. And then she got pregnant within like three months and we were doing chiropractic care and nutrition. Is that weird that you took that route? Like that, that, the, the, that scene is more inundated with, um, a, 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 a trying to be nice, uh, um, a vegetarian or vegan, um, yeah. In LA, especially like vegetarian, yeah. vegan yeah. diets are like, yeah, like so it was trendy. More- Yes. 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 Was it weird? How did you, how just uh, quickly, I don't want to completely derail you for the thousandth time, but how did you know to, to go the animal way, the animal, animal? Well, based on what I'd studied and um, like then I had just looked into nutritional stuff and for some reason I went that way. And I think okay. because at the time I had started cleaning up my diet and I had removed commercial dairy. I had removed grains and glutens. And I started feeling like 1 million times better. And so I, looking at cultures around the world, they would save and just like a lot, the most nutrient dense animal products like organ meats, um, milks, things like that for wow. their couples that were trying to conceive or that were nursing or like in that window. And it's, it was, I was like, well, duh, that kind of makes sense. But why don't we know this? Why isn't this being talked about? So you're ahead of your time. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So we just altered our diet a little bit, added some bone broths, a little more red meat in there. And like, she got, she got pregnant within three months. Um, And then like, she was like, not a CrossFitter, none of that. So her work. Were you CrossFitting at the time? So I was exposed to CrossFit and I dabbled in it. Um, I'll I'll tell you, my first exposure to CrossFit was people coming in to see me as a chiropractor. They're like, oh, I messed up my shoulder doing these. This is in Los Angeles? Yeah. Okay. Doing these things called like butterfly pull-ups or snatches. And I was like, what the hell is that? So my curiosity finally led me to a CrossFit gym and I took my first class and I was like, wow, this is the most efficient way to work out. Let me do this. <laughs> okay. We're and at, what year was that? Oh, that was probably like 2010. Do you remember which gym you went to? I went to CrossFit LA. Okay. And who, yeah, do you remember who owned that? Andy Petronic. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. That's some OG shit. Wow. Holy cow. Okay. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so that's, I did that and I was like, CrossFit, this is the most efficient way to work out. Where has this been? And then I started geeking out on like the CrossFit journal and things like that. And the article that turned me around was the one called what is fitness? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I just like kind of saved that for, you know, it's still, I still reference that article in the birth fit education. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that woman changed the course. She got pregnant, had a great pregnancy. Um, and my naive self and like her not knowing anything either, but trusting in me, I, we wanted to have a birth experience where she could recover quickly. And, you know, after all the things I've read and I came back to her and I was like, well, the, the most efficient way to give birth and to recover quickly would be with no medication. And so she's like, okay, let's do that. And, um, at the time, her crazy, part- crazy. Yeah. Crazy talk. Her crazy partner talk. husband was like, we're not having a home birth. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's find a midwife. And there was yep. one midwife that would deliver at a hospital in Los Angeles. And so we found her, delivered. She had a great experience, recovered quickly. And that's when I was like, oh, this is the sideline I want to be on. Like, mm-hmm. this lights me up. That- was that the first birth you'd ever seen live? Yes. So I. How did you react to that? Were you- did you like it? Well, okay. So the birth before that was actually, I got called into this one that was, um, this woman, she's, uh, giving birth in an apartment and her, it was a two bedroom. And, um, by this time I had done doula training cause I wanted to know more. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I got called into this birth. It was a woman in an apartment, two rooms, her sister and her mom were living in the other room, her and her boyfriend were living in one room. And I was like, Oh my God there's not a lot of space here. Where's, where's, where's everybody going to go? What's going to happen? But this was the most, like this woman was beautiful and gave like her sanctuary was like her toilet. And she sang like through every contraction and had the most beautiful voice. And, um, for me, I was just like, I don't even know if I moved. I don't even know what I did. I probably was not the most supportive or helpful because I was just in awe. I was like, Oh, like that's how you do it. Like this is the greatest (laughs) thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And so that prepared me for the next birth and everything else to come and seeing that woman just like own it. And just, she wasn't in pain ever. She wasn't suffering. She wasn't anything. She had a great midwife that, um, you know, like, wow, that's a great description. Owning it. She that just is that present. it is the ultimate when they when you look up that should be the picture you see when someone yeah. says you have to own something you should see a woman giving birth. It was like it's pretty. And that was like Christmas Eve. Well, no, the twenty third, and so like that Christmas I was like that was my best Christmas gift. I was like, okay, somehow I gotta be in this birth world, and I don't know what that looks like, but let's figure it out. So fast forward. Um, I got in a relationship and, uh, we opened a gym called deuce gym. Oh, I know that, uh, <laughs> Logan, I don't know him, but one of my friends, a guy I used to work at, with at CrossFit would always talk about that gym. A lot of people would always talk about that gym. Oh, like, was Kevin, it, um, Kevin Daigle. I think. Oh, okay. 
when we all got um, kicked to the spread to the wind, when we all got well, fired. I think he came to Deuce after I left. Oh, okay. Okay. But I would always see that gym on Instagram. I would yeah. always see. And there's another guy there that I had on my podcast who used to work out there. He looks like, he's like a, um, he looked like, uh, like Ron Jeremy, uh, Ron Jeremy could be his evil twin. Um, <laughs> Josh Reinhold, Josh. Oh, Josh. I love Josh. He's one yeah. of my friends. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just contextualizing this gym. By so, the way. Wait, let me tell you Dude. this story about Josh. Cause okay. Josh, <laughs> I'm making a list of things we have to go back to, by the way, I, I want to okay. talk about you. Um, uh, you being separated from your mom, by the way, there's okay. an important, an important piece there. I think the world should know about yeah. how you got over that and how you've had to accept that to move forward, Absolutely. which I obviously can tell you have, you can't let the recognition of trauma then also become trauma on top of the trauma. Right. But, but, but okay. So, so, um, uh, okay. So tell me about Josh. Sorry. Story. Okay. So when we opened Deuce, Josh was like one of the first people there. And, um, I think it's, I don't know how Josh found it, but doing strongman, like we love strongman at Deuce, like all the lifting, the strong objects, everything. And Josh would be there like three or four hours a day. And I got so frustrated with Josh for not wiping off the bench and he would sweat all over it and he didn't wear any clothes he never has no, clothes he never on. wears clothes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he would sweat all over it and finally i just was like josh you have to wipe off the bench like ladies need to use this bench like there are ladies here too and we i don't want my body touching your sweat like i don't it's just gross sure sure and so that's all i had to tell him and every day after that he was the cleanest guy ever <laughs> <laughs> but oh and then he went he came um he whenever he was figuring out where he was living he came to visit me when i was still living in austin back in i think it was 2020 whenever all the craziness started so um, you opened that gym deuce yeah and it's still yeah. it's still around it's still around um it, it's it's quite it's it's you could say it's like crossed over into an almost an iconic thank you yeah, it's yeah. It, it's yeah, it's everyone knows that gym. Is that gym in Venice? It's in Venice. It's on Lincoln and Rose. It's in an old garage. Um like there's it's open. Nine- all the pictures I see it's always sunny there and there's always someone with their clothes off. No, very few people wear clothes there. Um because yeah, awesome. <laughs> they're all beautiful people. Is it intimidating? <laughs> it looks intimidating. So that was and I know people are going to be like, nothing's yes. intimidating, Savon. It's just you being intimidated. Quit being a pussy. Okay, no, I understand. No, but it is um, because around the yard was like this this metal fence. And like I said, it's an old garage. Caged, but, naked, beautiful people inside. Yeah. <laughs> and Lincoln Boulevard runs right in front of it. And Lincoln Boulevard is always busy, always traffic. And right when we opened, people would have fender benders. Like they would just – Cause they're driving and they're looking and then they just run into the like rear end, the person in front of them. Um, but literally they stare at Josh they, thinking he's a beautiful woman, get into a car yes. accident, realize they were staring at a man. <laughs> Damn it. They're, they got tricked by that hair. Space is only like 900 square feet, but the yard is what we used for classes and everything. Um, okay. Yeah. So that was my first exposure to, um, well, I actually, we started coaching on the bluffs in Santa Monica outside and we were looking for a space for like two years. And finally we found this space in Venice, but, um, I had started a women's only class. Um, the other days we had general fitness. 
Why um, did you start a women's only class? Because I felt. Why do women do that? Explain that to me. To be more inviting and um, have a safer space. Like we were talking about before, or like you mentioned, it can be intimidating. And I didn't want the barbells or the kettlebells to feel intimidating. Like I wanted, hey, we can learn this together. We can lift this weight together. I'll show you how to do it. You know, that makes sense. Are, are women more uh, um, like it's so weird to say this, but I remember being in a globo gym and wanting to learn how to do a deadlift and, and like kind of like timidly walking over to a guy. I'd never seen it before except just in movies and pictures. And there was a guy at the gym doing it. And I walked over um, to, um, yeah, actually, sorry, someone in the comments here. It's, it is actually, it is actually a serious question. It is actually a serious question. And yeah, right. Like, it's a serious question. Yeah. Why you would start a woman's class. Yeah. Because in my mindset, in my mindset, I don't have I don't have a distinction between that. Right. So so, so it is it is a serious question. Well, uh, I'll say once I what are women more scared than I was? Like, like, like I was scared. But oh. and now in hindsight, I'm like a deadlift just picking shit off the ground. How could I have ever been so scared? Right. <laughs> I don't even recognize that guy. But I was terrified. Yeah. And I remember the three months it took me to finally be able to deadlift 135. At first, I could just deadlift 65 pounds because and I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> um, so I think once the so the women's only class, why not just do a beginner's class? I'm not opposed to a yeah. women's class, by the way at all well this I'll is a you, this one, is a serious question this is like yeah um, but, but why not do a um uh i'm scared class yeah totally <laughs> i'm intimidated class <laughs> totally um because women just don't want to do it around men particularly think, yeah and they don't the the asking the i know in a globo gym like one of the big complaints is like if they ask for help automatically the guy thinks they're hit, being hit on um, and they're like, no, I just want to learn, you know? Um, right. Okay. So, but I'll so tell it's the you natural proclivity that men and women are made to mate. And that when you have, and when you mix the two in the room, there is that component, whether you're trying to push it out or not. And so why not remove the mating component out and just have the women together? Just, yeah. Just for the beginning, because. Fair, I'll, fair. Yeah. Fair. And by the way, I've never heard that answer. And it was a brilliant question. Thank you. Seven. <laughs> so whatever. We got the space and we opened the gym. I had a women's only class Tuesdays and Thursdays. But this is so cool. Once the women felt comfortable, they asked me, they're like, can we make this a co-ed class? Mm. And after that. Because they wanted to bring their boyfriends or husbands? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And they wanted to mix and mingle. They wanted to show off their new bodies. They want sure. They they were confident in their skin, whatever that that was, and whatever that looked like. And so, ever since then, or since that moment, there's no more women's only class. The only specific class we had was a postpartum class. After mm. that, um, so that was kind of cool, and I thought a really cool evolution to share with you about you know answering that question of yours. Um, so it's like I didn't inter- the safety of the beginning. Right. Um, I, I didn't interview with this lady. She's the strongest woman in. God, it's somewhere in the UAE. I hope I'm not screwing this up. And I'm struggling to remember her name. Beautiful woman. Name starts with an A. She's the only person I know in the world with that name. That's why I can't remember. It's not like her name's like Cheryl. But um. Uh, she, she, she's somewhere in the Middle East. Anyway, anyway, so I said to her, she only works out with women. 
right? And, and, and when she does work out with men, um, she's, uh, or she, when she only works out with women in workout clothes, and when she works out with men, they're, they're covered up. And I said, Hey man, I'm like, you spent all this time working on your body. Like, don't you want to show your body off? Like, doesn't that suck having it covered? Like if I had your body, like I'd want it. And she's like, Hey, when I'm with the girls, I do show it off. I was like, all right. <laughs> point you all right good good that makes me feel better i thought you were just like just this humble monk she's like no when i'm with the girls i do show that shit off i was like all right all right okay sorry okay okay yeah, so, okay so when we opened the gym what i noticed was um it was a cross it's a crossfit affiliate and um we we're having crossfit classes but what i was observing was either women were stopping fitness like in their third trimester because they didn't know what to do and they just wanted, they felt like it was the appropriate thing to do or they had. How a, far is that third trimester is how close are you to having the baby? So it's third trimester starts around 26, 27 weeks and full term is considered 37 to 42 weeks. So two and a half months before the baby comes out of the nine month cycle, you would see women being like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to stop. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good on fitness. And then okay. I wouldn't see him again. For like two months, three months after. So just imagine this, this would is what blew my mind. They had this community that they loved. They showed up three, four times, you know, a week, and then they just stopped. And then, okay. So the last three months they're, they're not around their community. And then the first two to three months, they're not around a community. And so they're isolated for six months. And so that's what I was like, Oh my God, what's going on here? Or another thing would be their provider, whether it be an OB or a midwife, would be like, CrossFit's not safe. Stop doing it. And so then these women that were working out, had a community, you know, doing something they loved, were only told that prenatal yoga was safe or that bar method was safe. And they would just go to these classes that they maybe didn't love with people they didn't know or had developed relationships with. And that was the acceptable form of fitness then, you know? Um, so that's what I was observing and I didn't love. Um, and so that's, and at the time I was a chiropractor and by this time I was working in two birth centers, one on the East side, one on the West side. And, um, the, as a dual, as a doula or as a chiropractor? As a chiropractor, I had an okay. office in each of those. And yeah. then I could attend, you know, births that were there whenever I was there. I was also a doula, so people would hire me as a doula. Um, and early on in my career, I did teach hypnobirthing. Um, oh. I stopped teaching that because people would come back to me. They're like, Lindsay, we did not have a pain-free birth. And oh. that's what you teach. <laughs> I was like, well, I know. They sent a video home and every <laughs> single woman just like plopped this baby out. Like it was crazy. That is not the way my wife was. Yeah. I was like, but it was still well, amazing. And I'm glad we did the class. The, I, I, I'm not talking I'm shit, so but it was high. nothing like yeah. they taught it. Yeah. But, it, but it was, yeah. uh, it was great for my wife and I, yeah. I, any birthing class, I, I highly recommend a birthing class. For Absolutely. The time yeah. together. It was nuts. I would be high as a kite when I would leave that class class because it was just three hours of uninterrupted sitting with my wife. Yeah. 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 And it's like self-discovery and you're working on yourself and your relationship. And yeah, it's good stuff. Very subtle too. And a lot of shit that I just thought was such stupid cheese dick shit, but they, but, but, but in hindsight, like I, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. I'm glad they had me do it. Whisper oh. the affirmations in her ear, write them down, do the, dancing shit i got it 
Yeah. Time. But but I loved it. But I loved it in the same way. So. <laughs> yeah. So based on those observations. pregnant did you have in the gym? So was there always some woman in there at like at a, at a, at a gym like Deuce? Was there always at least someone like who was like somewhere like either yeah. pregnant or not, not, you know, okay. Yeah. And by this time, people had started figuring out, okay, Lindsay's at Deuce. She's, she's a safe space. She knows birth. Go, go to Deuce. You'll be fine. Um, so then, okay. Fast forward to however long, I don't know how long this took me, but the first class I held was the birth at postpartum series. And this was like, I did not know how great this was going to be because you did I, this at Deuce. I did this at Deuce. Birth it postpartum class, meaning this is a class for women who've just had babies. Yes. Okay. And it was designed to be four weeks, twice a week. And um, yeah, postpartum, non mobile babies are welcome. So, you know, that's kind of the caveat, like bring your, bring your non-mobile baby. They can lay on the blanket, the rug, whatever. Um, so basically a year or less. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so for me, what had dawned on me was there's no postpartum rehab or care or respect or anything in our country. I'm somebody that blew out my ACL. I knew exactly what was happening when I woke up from surgery three days after surgery, three weeks after surgery, but we don't give women anything after birth and all we give them is a six week checkup and then they're cleared for sex and exercise, but there was no um, like intentional rehab, no breathing, no nothing. And for, for, okay. Vaginal birth or cesarean cesarean being a major abdominal surgery and Oh my God, there, there's nothing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write. That's crazy. Isn't it? Now right? when you say like, it out loud like that, you're like, it's just insanity. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. It's like, what? Yeah. So, okay. Taking all the, it's like driving a car with three wheels getting up to me, like, yes. And, and not recognizing that it's missing a wheel. Yes. Like you're, it took 40 weeks for your body to change. Your center of gravity was altered. Your rib cages flared. You have a, an excessive lumbar spine lordosis now. Like your diaphragm got pushed up. Everything changed. Yeah. Like we have to address this. We have to rehab. And um, so, and, no, and, 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 and di did you say diastasis? Did you say, yeah, diastasis? Like, and, and those women all need to be together, by the way, like I, I, to, to talk about that shit. Because when that shit it's happens so to a woman cute. and she doesn't have other women to talk about it with, she starts thinking like something bad happened to her, or that she's the only one. Yeah, and those yeah. those and and those are kind of just the byproduct. Even if you're not trying to do that at this class, you have all yep. these women together, and they can be like, "Oh, your belly button does that now too." Oh, thank you. Yeah, <sighs> I yeah. thought I was the only. Yeah, awesome. Okay, sorry. Because no. I watched my wife do that especially because after she had twins, like you go on this, like, okay, I need to find other people who are dealing with this same shit. Where are my twin mom? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, so by the way, my brother and sister are twins. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. A younger or older? They're two years and a day younger. Oh, wow. That's almost like, uh, Avi and, and his twins. Uh, yeah. Ari and Joseph. Wow. Yeah. They're about two years and a, and a little less than a month. Wow. <laughs> it's wild yeah that is wild um, did, did they get born close. did they get born yeah are, are you a good older sister i try to be 
Yeah. <laughs> Obviously such a great older brother. It's nuts. Aww. Was there a lot of pressure on you as a kid? You know, to take, to take care of him. He feels yes. so much pressure. I see. Yes. Um, looking back, like at the time, I don't think I felt it, but it was just like part of the gig. And for a bit, my mom was a single mom. And so she'd be like, take care of your brother and sisters. I'm going to, or brother and sister, I'm going to work. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> huh? um, did they yeah. have the same birth that you did basically? Did they get separated from mom? So my brother did. So they were both, Oh man, they were both born vaginally. Um, my sister was head down. So twins used to be born, like born vaginally all the time in the hospital, especially if baby B was, um, or baby A was head down and baby B could be breached. That's how they kind of like fit in there. Sure. makes sense. Um, but now like if you have twins, majority of the time they're like, okay, automatic C-section, um, and automatic C-section at like 37 weeks. Um, twins, I don't know how far y'all carried, but they tend to be delivered. 40 weeks exactly Dang, to the day. That's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. When my wife went in to get her ultrasound, we're sitting in there. It's my wife, our, our two-year-old son, Avi, and myself, and this lady. And this lady said, did you do in vitro? And my wife doesn't answer, and I don't answer. And at the time, I'm like, I don't even know what in vitro is. Yeah. And then she said, I was like, oh, does that mean that the, the baby's stuck in the fallopian tubes? Is that like one of those ones I've heard about that's bad? And, and I'm just like holding my breath. And then she says it again. Did you do in vitro? And my wife says, finally goes, no. And she goes, well, there's two babies in there. And then I look up at the monitor and there's two bags in there with like the two aliens in there. And I'm like, and so I'm so excited. And you know what this lady tells my wife? The first thing she tells my wife? What? You will not be having, um, it looks like a C-section. For, no, yeah, it looks like a C-section for you, honey. And my wife just starts bawling. Oh, I bet. So my, wife didn't want, my wife didn't want another baby. She didn't want twins. She didn't, and she sure she didn't, want didn't want a C-section. C-section. Yeah, and and I'm excited as fuck, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, ready to be like, hey, bitch, shut the fuck up. My wife will do whatever the fuck she wants. But I don't. I just keep my mouth shut, like, like. And of course we did end up having the babies at home and, and you're right. One of the babies came out weird. Like, um, uh, the, the baby came out not breathing and it came out with its, the, the, midwife had to, yeah. the babies had to, the, they had to spin the wife around and the baby had its hand like this. Actually, yeah. I remember the midwife putting her fingers in my wife's vagina and being like, like, Oh, this is like, like telling me this is not good. I feel a hand, not a head. Yeah. And, but when he came out, he came out like this and he was completely, he was unconscious and not breathing. And, and they, um, and they didn't tell my wife and they just, and they told me to be quiet as I'm holding the first baby. And these, these, um, three midwives and a doula resuscitated the baby on my wife's back. And then, which felt like hours to me, yeah. when I look at the yeah. journal entry within 90 seconds, that baby was on the tit. I was like, and I'm thinking if we would have done that in a hospital, that baby would have been separated from mom immediately. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's sorry. It's, sorry to hijack again, but it's. I love no hijack with the twin story any day. <laughs> okay, so okay, so um, uh, there's nothing of it where we at nothing's available oh, for women postpartum. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I decided to have a postpartum class, or I call it the Birth Fit Postpartum Series, and I had it fill up like the first time, and it was congratulations. The, the sight of seeing um, women walking into Deuce you know, into the parking lot with strollers 
And they're walking in, they're going, like, where the F am I? You know, like, is this is this a pregnancy postpartum place? Like, come on. Yeah. But for then, those of you who don't know Deuce, go look it up on Instagram. Yeah, just it's, go look at it's, the it's yard. Sort of like the modern day, um, way cooler, trendier version of uh, old Gold's Venice yeah. Beach. With, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so cool. Okay, go on. Yeah. So after the first class, like we kind of shut the garage door a little bit, just made it a little more intimate. Had yoga mats, like kind of. I kind of set the b- vibe a little bit as mu- as best I could do at Deuce. Candles, candles. No candles. Okay. I should have had the like. Uh, fake candles um but okay the class was an hour they stayed like an hour and a half just talking and like you were talking mentioning earlier having that connection piece is like is night and day it it makes the whole experience of the motherhood transition just that much more fulfilling and um I had written, like, I had this whole curriculum of, okay, we're going to do a little little bit of discussion and the topic of the day, and then we're going to get into all this rehab stuff. Well, I did the rehab stuff, and then the discussion was, like, 45 minutes, and the bonding was was everything, and many of the classes that we've since had, they'll sync up, like, get in a group text, they'll meet up for coffee afterwards, like, that's the whole... The, the community is the, the missing piece there. And I could not have bet money on how big the community aspect of it was. And like, like you were mentioning, like, oh, I, I have urination or I pee in my pants when I do this or my abs are still separated or the baby doesn't sleep at night or what, what am I doing wrong? My, my, my nipples are crusty, like all that stuff, like it was thrown out on the table or on the floor and talked about, like there were no subjects that were off limits. And one of the coolest things I ever witnessed was um, this woman wanted to be part of the BirthFit postpartum series, but wasn't sure she wanted to do it, but wasn't sure because she had lost her baby late term. And um, the other group, wanted her there. They welcomed her in with open arms. And oh my God, the woman said it was the best thing she's ever done. She would do it again in a heartbeat. And I could not. Wow. That's, that's uh, man. That's uh, yeah. why, why, why not? Why did they embrace her? But how does that help heal her wound? I think just the community, like just intense, right? Because the other, the other, the other women got the baby. They got the live birth. Yeah. And she she did. And she did. And she lost her baby. And yeah, I mean, in a way shallower version, right. It's, it's, it's still hanging out with It's like all you and your buddies try out for the um, soccer team and you don't get it, but you still hang, you still want to go to the game. It's, it's intense. Mm -hmm. But I think the community lifted her up in a way that I never could have expected. Great. Love it. Yeah. Like I never could have prescribed exercises to, you know, initiate this healing. Right. It was the whole community. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're admitting you don't, there's not a, a certain amount of air squats that can heal that wound. No. That you, no. That there's, you didn't have the tools to heal that wound. You needed the community. I didn't have the tools to heal that. No. And I like, that was the first time that um, like I knew loss was a part of this game, like a part of motherhood transition and parenthood transition. Like one in three women have a miscarriage. And we had to, my wife had two. Yeah. 
first miscarriage, then baby, then miscarriage, crazy miscarriage, and a whole nother nutty story. But but my wife basically bled up, was bleeding out in the in the tub and, and going unconscious, and I had to take her to the hospital. And then she didn't want, and then and then and then twins. Yeah. Yeah, nuts. Oh. All right. Okay. So sorry. So one in three miscarriages. Yeah. And, and you know what people would say to us? Why would, why did you say you knew that the baby, some people would actually have the nerve to say this to me. You knew that you were, she was only 11 weeks pregnant or whatever they would say. Why did you tell people she was pregnant? Now you have to tell them she's miscarried with the presupposition. Say, like I give a shit. Like I'm like, fuck you. Like I, 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 say I'll tell you when I'm fucking things. her to let you know that I'm trying to get her pregnant. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I'll it's, wear a shirt that says trying to get my wife pregnant. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. What I can and can't tell you. Yeah. Sorry. People, like I'm embarrassed. Really, I'm not embarrassed. I'm embarrassed yeah. for you that you're, that you, that you're trying to put me in a, in a. Meh, meh. That you're this emotionally immature to ask these things or to say these things. Yeah. Like it's. um. So sorry. Yeah. You said one in three miscarriages and you, and, and you were talking about loss. You, oh yeah. You knew so, loss was part of the game. Sorry. Yeah. And that just hit me. We don't talk about loss. Just like we don't talk about postpartum. We don't talk about loss. Um, now more than ever postpartum's being talked about, but just like I would say more so in the last year or two, people are recognizing that miscarriage and loss are part of this transition and the conversations are being had. Um, yeah. So I'll- why do women have miscarriages? Is there an answer for that? I've always heard it's because the baby wasn't viable. The nice story is the baby wasn't viable and it's it's sort of like God's way of weeding weeding them out and don't worry, it's not a big deal. It's it's just like a Yeah. So okay, there's a great book. If you've never read it, it's called Spirit Babies. Okay. Um but it's all about um the spirits choosing us and maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's like giving us practice and then it will come back when we're ready. But um I'll share with you that uh, we had a miscarriage last year and um, you know, everything we were with the midwife, everything was great. Um, But it was like, it was this, the, this, it just wasn't the right timing and blood work was perfect. Everything checked out like prior to conceiving, like my blood work had never looked better. And, um, I will share. It was the most beautiful experience slash messy slash hard slash crying. Like as you've been through, but I felt so supported with the team and my partner and everybody around me. And I just, I want that for people that do have miscarriages and loss and go through that because it can be a beautiful healing experience. And I worked with, um, like, um, I have a spiritual hippie dippy side of me. And um, for me, what came up in my meditations and my healing was, um, you know, that I immediately felt from the moment I knew it when we conceived and I knew it was a male spirit. And so whenever I was talking to like some of my guides, they were telling me that you were a vessel and this was part of the healing process of the, of your maternal side for, for um, the males on your maternal side. And for me, that just made so much sense. And I was at peace with that. And I knew that my body, you know, was in the best shape of it was, but that maybe this spirit was not meant to come earth side that I served in the best way I could by being this vessel and help complete that spirit's journey. 
And for me that, you know, that brought me peace. Um, and like you said, there are, um, you know, I think our bodies, especially when we're operating and have this lifestyle of, um, you know, living optimally, then automatically when there's not, when there's not a viable pregnancy or when they know it won't make it earthside, our body does, does what it's designed to do to, you know, get rid of the pregnancy. And, you know, I think that's a, like, that's pretty phenomenal. You know, like it's, I don't want to say magic, but it's, it's wild. Um, Do other animals have miscarriages? Ooh, great question. I'm sure they do. I haven't ever looked that up. Because you know that there's this um yeah th- there's these behavior like uh, they study zoo animals and they study their behaviors and they um and they're so different than the animals that are in the wild and th- and then it's a direct correlation or mirror yeah. of what what happens to humans who are put inside of pressure cooker situations. I wa- I wonder I, I wonder and, and 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 male animals do horrible stuff to the kids of other um, mm-hmm. other male animals. Yeah, it's a trip mm. as those examples. But I wonder, okay, um, uh, how, how many weeks How many weeks was your baby? It was eight weeks. Eight weeks. Okay. And did you ever see the baby? Did you ever see like a – because we never saw any of our – my wife never had an ultrasound or anything like no, that. No, so I was – that was the, the route we were going was, you know, pretty tech-free. Um, so you hadn't seen your baby either? mm But – took about five pregnancy tests they were all positive right 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 of course course. and i wasn't i I wasn't suggesting that in the slightest i was just wondering because and the reason i wonder is i wonder if it was easier for my wife because she didn't see yeah and um yeah because she didn't see we never heard a heartbeat or we for either of them or 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 saw the baby not and by the way and by i'm not suggesting by any means that it was easy for my wife yeah i'm but but um but it was uh, I should I should I shouldn't speak for it, but I, sh- I need to have her on the show. But um, yeah, but I would. But but it wasn't. A, but it was a growth experience. Like it sounds like it was yeah. for you. Like it was just like just another part of life. It was like okay, this yeah. And I and, don't and I, think I would have handled it with such grace had I not you know worked on myself and explored my birth and all the stuff before you know. Um, I think if anybody's going down the conception route or they want to become pregnant, they should definitely explore how they were birthed into this world and or explore their relationships with each of their parents and just kind of go from there. See what that brings up, you know, um, to, to, to go back a second and, and then we'll keep moving forward. <laughs> when you find out all of this stuff happens that happened to you at your birth, um, did you did you want to do any poor me stuff? Man, no, because I'd already done that in life. Um, okay. <laughs> I already okay. played the victim card um, okay. and drug myself out of you know rock bottom, and I had this was part of me taking responsibility for myself and my actions, and so I d- yeah I that didn't occur to me because I'd already I was like no you can't play the victim card again. Uh-uh. Um, do, you have very um large eyes. Like, <laughs> like, like you're very like. Here I am. Lindsay's here. Um, were, were your eyes like that as a kid? Yes. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, interesting. 
Yeah, I'll I'll show you a picture. I'll send you one. <laughs> Interesting. I was thinking that maybe that was part of like your eyes, um, like noticeably physically got more um, opened as you shed those. Ooh. Um, that that you you know, you know those beliefs those layers those, those yeah the the victim mindset because I think yeah. that that does happen to people as they shed the victim mindset their eyes start to like you start to become like, Oh my God, like I can see out into the world. This is a whole new world. Yeah. This is a whole new, yeah, yeah this is a, this is a whole new yeah. world. You have a um, really incredible skin, eyes and hair um, <laughs> for someone who went through all that stuff as a child. I mean, th- I think those are often you'll see that the skin, eyes and hair people are. Absolutely. Less, less vibrant, know, vibrant maybe, or yeah. yeah. And, and people who've had a lot of trauma and, and don't get past it. Yeah. I think um, I, I'd give. But I'm credit. just making that shit up. It's just my own. I know I'm not. A fucking <laughs> I'd scientist. give credit to the nutrition and all the, like the lifestyle I lead because it's probably now been close to 15 years. You know. Yeah. So so you so you do the first class, and then and and, and it's a, and it's a and it's a big class, and this and this specific class was for um, postpartum. Postpartum. Mm-hmm. And this was in 2000. Oof. You opened the gym in 2013. 2013. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and and going back to the community thing, the, the the my biggest disappointment, it's not a regret, that'd be too hard, was is that we didn't keep in closer contact with the people who were in our birthing class because there really is a bond with them. And you were talking Absolutely. about that. When the, when you get together with all those other couples or when those women get together and they have people to bounce stuff off, there's stuff that's so much better than meeting with um, uh, your doctor. Yes. I mean, yes. And, and, and the other thing is, is if you do get bias, so biased again on my part, if you do get a really good midwife. So for our twins, we ended up with three midwives and a doula and our doula was from Uganda and she had done, she had done like a hundred twin births. So that was awesome. Right. Yeah. In, in Uganda. Right. And I don't know how many, I don't know if it was 50 or hundred, I'm just saying hundred, but she had said she'd so done lot. more than she could ever count. Yeah. Um, but these midwives end up there's a there's a there's like the king midwife the queen midwife and she stays she stayed with my wife to this day so even though my kids are like four and seven like if my wife has a question about something going on with her vagina yeah. or the kids or her boobs or like anything she wants to talk about like she just calls the midwife and it's yeah. kind of like her we're like this midwife replaced my wife's OGBYN. so like my wife would literally do her appointments on her bed naked and I would just be sitting there. And we could all ask all the questions we want. And there was a baby laboratory. Yeah. You know what I mean, what's this doing? Yes. What's this doing? Should this be like this? I mean, it was, uh, and you have all the time in the world. They're not running away. It's not 15 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool. And then, so afterwards, after my wife has a baby, she stayed in contact with them and they basically, it, once again, I'm not discounting doctors. And by the way, uh, for, 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 I think the guy's name was Kyle Anders. I appreciate what you did. Um, and yeah, I and thank totally. you for chiming in. It's awesome. It, for those women that you that you carried to the hospital and those firefighters who did that, that woman is eternally thankful, I'm sure. Um, but if you can find a good midwife, and I've actually never heard of anyone having a bad midwife. Um, yeah. Man, I, I and, and it's not well, cheap. I know it's not cheap. It's it's out of pocket. That's the unfortunate thing with our healthcare system is set up as sick care, mm-hmm. and um, you know at. The 1900s, like that century, 
majority of births were happening out of hospital. And sometime between the 1950s and 1960s, they moved to the hospital. Really? That long? So in the 40s, it was still majority of home births in the United States? Yeah, it was around the time. And I'm butchering wow, dates. Wow, I had no idea. With numbers. But there's a great book called um, Made in the USA. Made in, born, in, born in the USA. And then there's another book called Lying In. And they both kind of talk about the history of birth in America. And... Um, hospital births being being the majority has only been around maybe 50, 60 years, but it's enough to like our generation and then maybe our parents' generations, depending on how old we are. Um, but it was around the turn, like, like the same time of insurance becoming a thing. Um, it was around the same time as um, just kind of, I don't want to say like, um, what do you call it? The, like when the manufacturing lines, like the um, industrialization, yeah, that was okay. That was start like cars on conveyor belts, all that. So they're trying to figure out how to just how to make money and how to make it quicker. And I don't think it was an intentional thing with medical doctors being like, "Oh, birth is always going to happen, so that's always going to be a money maker for us." But it was like the AMA took off at around the same time. The American um, medical association and they had big lobbying. So if you just look back and look at all the things happening around the same time, it's kind of like no wonder birth got pushed into the hospital. And if you just think about it, like birth is a natural process. It's been happening way, way long before we got here. And if it didn't work, then we wouldn't be here. But now it got pushed. Billions served, billions. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if we get, if, if the vagina um, has served billions of us, yeah, oh, oh, God. Man. <laughs> but if it didn't work, then we wouldn't be here. And now it got pushed into a place of sickness and pathology and like, no, let's face it though, too. The, 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 my, my wife is 100% just normal. And most people aren't normal. And what do I mean by normal? My wife can wake up in the morning and she can do a hundred air squats. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't, my, I've never in 20 years I've been with my wife. I've never seen her eat a candy bar or 30 years, however long I've been with her. Like my wife is just normal. My mm-hmm. wife eats. Um, She's physiological by the, normal. By the way, my wife was a vegetarian, uh, hardcore vegetarian. And, and she was pregnant with our first kid. And we went to a hamburger place and my wife ate like a bird and drank water like a bird. Like my w- wife would uh, spend all day sipping like a, a thing of wa- a canister of water. And my and some people see my wife as petite. I don't see her as petite. She's five, five, like 140 pounds, about 130, 140 pounds. Um, uh, very, but, but very lean, but very yeah. lean and, um, and a small waist. And, um, but, but I would always just see her like not eat a lot, like hardly. And then one day when she was like two months pregnant, we went to a hamburger place and, and I already noticed her water consumption was going up, but we went to a hamburger place and she ordered a hamburger and I saw her eat the whole, this is a vegetarian for years. <laughs> she ate the entire hamburger, the bun. And then somewhere along in the pregnancy, she started acting like a man. Yes. I'm being sexist because I see a lot of men do this. She starts pouring water in like oil into a car. I would see her like in the morning, like prime that shit, like with a pint of water. You know how like you do that in college, like you've been drinking all night and you wake up and the first thing you do is pour a pint in. Yeah. And, 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 and so for the next four years, as she became this baby factory, she turned into this carnivorous, 
Yeah. Water consumer. I couldn't believe I was like, this is, and I used to just love watching her drink water. Cause she, cause she used to just sip it. She would open the bottle of water or something and take such a small sip. By the way, now she would never drink out of plastic. Yeah, and now it's just like pour. Or when she was pregnant and breastfeeding and all that, she just pour one in just to prime. I'm like, dude, this is dude shit. This is like, this is incredible. And she didn't even flinch. She just knew. Yeah, she just knew to switch from vegetarian to just she ate. I'm like, first of all, I can't believe you ate a whole hamburger, the bun, the fry. I can't believe you just did this. But so going. Going back to my what we we're saying, half of the women, and I'm making this number up, but I bet you are so unhealthy when they get pregnant that I almost can't blame them for going to the doctor because I don't know what the deal is if you're – I don't know what the deal is if you're um, insulin resistant, 60 pounds overweight, and have a baby. I don't know if you, should, if you have business – I have my own bias and prejudice in, in, in yeah. hate speech that I don't even think you should be getting pregnant, but that's just me. But, but I, I sure as hell don't know if you should be doing it at home. So yes. that's the, that's the white, that's the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Like, Hey man, if you're, if you, if you're not, we know that if you're a man gets healthy. so fat, he's, he can turn into a woman. We we've, we've seen men who get so fat and their hormones get so out of whack that they're, that they're almost not men anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about sex. I'm talking about based on sex biology, just based on if whether there's man mm-hmm. or woman that the only trait a man can get so fat that the only trait that's left of him as a man is his penis because your hormones are so out of whack, not because so you're fat. Off. That's just yeah. correlate. Yes. I don't know what happens to a woman when she becomes so out of whack that like, like I, I, I know that your, your walking has changed. But I don't know if your baby capabilities of cha- making capabilities mm-hmm. have changed, but I have to assume they have. Totally. Because I already see you can't get up and down a flight of stairs normally, right? From the superficial of how you walk to maybe something deeper of how you have a baby. So so in that regards, like I, I feel for doctors on this. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, there's a lot of unexplained I I say fertility obstacles. I don't use the word infertility. Because okay. all of a sudden they put a label on you like you're infertile. And then yeah. that, that gets in women's heads. I like it. Fertility um, obstacles. So there's so many unexplained fertility obstacles in our country. And now more than like now more so than ever. And like the quality of sperm has gone down over the last decade. So it's like, why don't we? Is that, look- is that all nutrition? Exactly. Like, okay. why don't we look at nutrition and lifestyle? That's, that's the easiest fix. And like, the most like tangible for so many people rather than prescribing um, fertility drugs or IVF or IUI, why not get base level blood and hormone panels, look at nutrition, revamp a lifestyle practice. And then if that's, if you've done that for a year and you're still having these fertility obstacles, then maybe let's, ex- let's explore, um, you know, ART assisted reproductive technology. Um, but yeah, it's more now more so than ever, our human population is having trouble conceiving and holding pregnancies. And it's just the, the, I think the quality of our eggs and sperm, and then the quality of, um, the terrain or the environment by which they are grown and, um, nourished in. It almost seems like there should be some sort of baseline test. Like mm-hmm. on, if you can't do 10 burpees on the minute for, for 10 minutes, and if you can't go a week without eating added sugar, then 
and I, and I know I'm being a bit cavalier with it, but, but it seems like there should be some, um, it's, it's like, it's, you know how like a, um, a pilot every time before they take off in the plane, he has to check the plane. He has to like yeah, walk around this. and go through the checklist. Yeah. It's almost like, Hey man, like if you want to get pregnant, like you, like you really need to meet some of these like basic yeah. things and, 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 and same with the dude. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, because he's going to have to also take help take care of the baby. Like you're going to have the baby. Yeah. And especially the first year, he's going to have to take care of the mom that just gave birth to the baby, you know? Um, <laughs> histo- historically women have had babies. So, so young, right. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Yeah. I would say the younger, like, definitely younger in our lives where now more so women are waiting later and later. Um, and then past 35, if you're in the, in the medical model of things, you're deemed geriatric. Yeah. Um, where, you know, sometimes. Oh, oh, that was another thing. My wife was over 35 when she had yeah, all the babies right. and that, and that freaked the doctors out. And of course oh, the midwives were them. like, nah, don't worry about it. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Even if your, your blood work is, beautiful and you've been the healthiest you've ever been you're labeled geriatric your placenta could expire blah yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah yeah part of me really appreciates the fact of having it, the babies young like mm-hmm. i'm like yeah yeah get those get you those have women. energy to do it <laughs> yeah get those women pregnant when they're 19 but it in concept in practice i i, I don't i don't see how anyone has a baby before they're 35 is is that do you know what I mean? Like I don't Mentally, I don't know. Yeah. Or, or I'm I'm 49 when I when when I was young and I would think about having a kid, it was like, oh, I can't wait to have a kid so I can r- run all day and, and have a frisbee partner and do all this stuff with him. But now that I'm older, I can't do that. Even though I crossfit, I can play frisbee for like an hour at the beach, but then I I do have to sit down and, and like chill. I can't break myself. I have to drive the van home. But I'm okay with that. It's yeah. actually even better to watch my kids than to play with them mm-hmm. or, or at least equal. I just wonder how, how, what, what is the conventional wisdom on that? And, and there's, there's a, a selfless component as we get older that I just can't imagine having when I was in my thirties. Oh, I'm with you. Like, I think uh, Lindsay, Lindsay in her twenties was entirely sh- selfish, you know, but wasn't your body more prepared at 20 to have it. I mean, it is true, right? The younger people yeah. would carry a especially, baby better or, or is it not true? Females, um, cause you're born with all the eggs you'll ever have. And like, men, that's nuts by the way. That is right. <laughs> every time I hear that, I'm like, no, nah, it can't be true. Yeah. So yes, there is a, I guess a, an expiration date on females at some point, but we don't know that for each individual, you know, um, every individual is different. And, I strongly believe that the healthier you are, the more optimal you're living, that you're supporting and nourishing those eggs inside of your body. Um, But yeah, I do think um, just in history and traditional cultures around the world, they would have babies younger. But I also think they had other things in their culture, like rites of passages in which they were... um, 
the maturity level was just upped, you know, like the emotional maturity level was just elevated by the time they were 21, 25, you know, in that sense, where I think for us as Americans, we don't leave the house until we're 18, maybe. And 34, 34. 34. And so don't laugh, Lindsay, I'm right here in front of you. Don't laugh. Like our emotional maturity level doesn't, doesn't, you know, capitalize until we're in our, 30s, mid 30s, and sometimes even 40s, you know. So I don't know. We might be rewriting the script here. There, there's also the piece a woman who has bodies, uh, bodies, a, a woman who has babies when she's in her 20s, her body would be uh, theoretically, and I think it's true, would be more resilient and bounce back yeah. um, better and be stronger. It's healing, it's healing faster than older women. And then on the other hand, a woman who is in her, um, thirties or forties who has a baby, she's also more psychologically prepared, ho- hopefully to deal with whatever changes in her bodies are. She's more accepting it. Just more like, accepting, I, yeah, yeah, like, like I'm way more accepting of my body at 49 purely for, mental work I've done on myself than I was when I was younger. Like I just shut all that shit down. I just tell it to go away. Like, shut up. There's no, you're not welcome here anymore. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's just interesting. Maybe you could provide more physically for a child when you're younger, but you have more money when you're older and you're more emotionally prepared and more selfless, or maybe that's not good because you spoil a baby. The jury's (laughs) still out for me. Like I I, I don't, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. But, But it seems hard to me to think that people give up their youth to have babies and that sick people are having babies. Those are two things that like, I definitely don't think sick people should be having babies. Yeah. It's, it's and by hard. sick, I mean, you poison your body on the reg. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, Do you have those hard talks with people. Well, okay. So now my practice, what I'm chiropractic, um, you know, I practice, I'm opening a practice in new Braunfels, Texas, which is full circle. I'm opening in January. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. So I do have those chats with people, especially when they come in and they're, you know, Hey, I want to get pregnant. I've heard chiropractic can help. I heard we're having trouble, that sort of thing. And so I talk to them about their entire lifestyle. I'm also a Mercier therapist now, which is, um, uh, gyno visceral manipulation. And it's basically for a fertility journey. Um, or to support, to support a fertility journey. And you can also use Mercier for postpartum healing. What uh, is that? You touch the vagina and the pelvic and the hips and all that stuff and manipulate it like a chiropractor to help it well, on a baby? It's like a deep massage on like the ovaries, the uterus, all in the abdomen, and then the surrounding hip and musculature. From the top? From the top? From or the inside. top, yeah. I don't okay. go inside. Okay. Um, no internal stuff. Um and if you look up Mercier therapy, it's got a huge success rate for um, conceiving and then live births where ART, assisted reproductive technology, maybe has a 20% success rate for live births. And that's uh, chemicals in you, right? ART yeah. is they do they t- some IVF, hormonal shit, IUI, right? Yeah, yeah. Talking with your hormones people is crazy. It's that's why eating sugar is so bad. Messing with your hormones is so nuts. Yeah. And which I, and that's one of the things we touch on. Like you said, like when people come in, that's a scary word. People should be afraid of that word. That's the word people should be using. Uh, What would you call it? Fertility challenge. I like that. Yeah. Fertility obstacles and obstacles. Yeah. Obstacles. That's even better. 
But the one you should really be scared of is fucking with your hormones. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that phrase, yeah. Yeah. Like if anything says, like if it's a synthetic hormone, whether it be Pitocin, like Pitocin is a synthetic hormone. It's man-made. It's It does not act the same in your body. So like if you're getting synthetic hormone in labor, your body is not going to respond. The physiology is not going to respond to that the same it would as oxytocin, which is the hormone it's designed to mimic. So if you're getting synthetic hormones at any part of this journey, it's going to alter your state of being. And that's, you know, that's why fertility obstacles are so hard on couples because it's messing with emotions. It's messing with finances. It's messing with the whole dynamic. And so when people come to me and they're like, oh, we want to have a baby. We want to do like the first thing, like, what does your lifestyle look like? What does your food look like? Are you exercising? Have y'all explored your births? You know, how, do you know how you came into this world? And we start there. And why is that important? Sorry if you went over that. I know it's the third time you said it, but finally it just hit me. No, because the um, like if there was a traumatic thing happening when you came Earthside, or if maybe you were conceived and you were unwanted, like all of that imprints on the energy and the soul of of the baby. I do believe. And oh, so, my poor twins, my poor twins. <laughs> but it's not like if you revisit it and you come back to it and you kind of dissolve the power of that, like that's working on it. That's, that's going through that and, you know, kind of making, making peace with it. Um, So I think that those are huge things to explore because why would that affect your fertility though? You're saying it's some sort of trauma that, that, that affects your, yeah, there might be a subconscious mental block there of either partner, you know, maybe they weren't um, wanted or maybe they came into this world and it was, they spent a lot of time in NICU or whatever, and um, it was just hard, and they didn't get the bonding. And maybe you know, if someone's listening to you and they're like, "That's bullshit. It doesn't work like that. Just give her the fucking in vitro. Get her pregnant. What are you talking about? It's not." But you know what? Let Let's say Lindsay is wrong. <laughs> yeah, let's say it's it's still it's still it's still a it's still a net gain. It's 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 exact it's still a net gain to work through it and explore. Absolutely. It's exactly what I'm saying about this pandemic. Stop eating sugar. No no one has died who doesn't eat added sugar. And if right. I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, you, you still win. You don't get type 2 diabetes. I mean, I mean you still win. Yeah. yeah. You still win. Okay, so sorry. I, I, it's just funny that people will gl- I know people will glom onto things and be like that's but who cares? Big yeah. picture. Big picture. Like you said, it's not, it's not a losing. But it's not bullshit, by the yeah. way. I know it's not. I, 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 I feel you. <laughs> it's not bullshit. Yeah. So, so, so do you have those hard talks with them? My, my yeah. wife is very, my wife is, um, I, I'm pretty vicious on this podcast. And my wife has had a lot of talks with me that she doesn't like the way I, I, I portray myself. And I, and I really appreciate her feedback. Um, because I see people, uh, um, my thought is this, you see, you see someone who's killing themselves and I think it's perfectly okay to say, pull the fucking gun out of your mouth, you moron. Like, I think it's okay to say that. And she's like, Sevon, like, how about like, um, excuse me, sir, and gently put your <laughs> hand on their back and, and like talk to them. And I go, because that's not how I want to be talked to. If I'm running full speed towards a cliff and I'm looking up, I want someone to be like, Hey, you big nosed Armenian fuck. Look down. You're about to run off the edge of a cliff. And I'll be like, I want to stop and be like, yo, what? Yeah. That is not my wife's approach. Right. 
when you see someone come in who it's obvious to you that they have a lifestyle practice that's not conducive to being a baby factory. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how, what is your approach? Are you, are you gentle? Are you blunt? Are you like, I think there's a gentle bluntness there. Um, and I think I've gotten better with practice over the last you know decade or so. Um, because then you find out what their priority is. Do they want yeah. to get pregnant yeah. or do they want you to coddle them? Because if you're like, Hey, I, you, th- this three donuts every morning with these six shots of espresso, they have to stop. Yeah, exactly. And you, you find out what their priorities are, what their pain points are. And then like from looking at their history, their scans, everything, I sort of make priorities from there. And so, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, hey, if your priority is to have a baby, then we got to start with what you do the first hour in the morning, because that's going to set the tone for the rest of your day. And we start like I really start with like one thing because people can't handle more than like three things for homework. Um, and so I start, okay, what can we do one, one thing this week that will shift the trajectory of everything? Um, but yeah, I think, um, and I think others would agree that there's a gentle bluntness about me. I don't sugarcoat anything. And I used to say this on the birth website, like we don't sugarcoat anything. Um, we're going to give you information and it's up to you, the individual to make your own intuitively guided, informed decision. And that's for everything. But I try to give as much information and facts as I can. You know, when people come to me and they're like, hey, what, like, especially like with the COVID thing, like what, um, what do you think about the jab or what? So, well, it's still an experiment. Like, would you jeopardize that on, like, I'm not going to jeopardize that on my body or my baby or my future babies, you know? Um, Do you feel like saying that alienates people? I I don't, by the way, do you feel like saying that alienates people? Like, like you just expressed your opinion about how you feel about it. And and God knows, like, I, I, that I feel that way times a thousand, but do you feel like saying that um, could also alienate people? I hate to alienate people. Yes. Like, I don't mind being, I don't mind being blunt. I don't mind, but I need to like, um, just put them on blast or, or, The, the, the example I'll use is this. Um, let, let's say Jesus is the way. It's the only way after, after um, there's people who alienate people with, with that. And then there's people like Rich Froning who don't alienate people. He, oh. he obviously loves Jesus, but like no one's ever like, man, he's a Jesus freak. I ain't hanging right, out with right, you. Right. You're kind of like, well, shit, maybe this Jesus shit is true. Look at this guy. You know yeah. what I mean? He's not yeah. alienating anyone. He's not so you stuff like, pushing, any, pushing anybody out. Yeah. When you say stuff like, um, it's an experiment or, or like I was able to see that, like, at, at least I, I, as I read into that, I think, Oh, she, she, if she had a five-year-old kid, she wouldn't inject her kid with, with the, this injection. Yeah. Do you feel like you're alienating people by saying that? No, because you're such know. a source of important information yeah. for all women. It, it would be, it would be not be, it would suck if a, if someone didn't come to you because they had different views, like, right. And you, have, you still have clients who get yeah. the injection, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have clients that will do that choose hospital births because that's where they feel safest. Um, I have clients that will, you know, choose the complete opposite of 
all the opinions I give them. You know, right. they've asked for the info, they've asked my opinion, and then they go do the opposite. But that's okay. You know, like I said, as long as you've gathered the information, you know your values and you're making decisions in alignment with your values, great. You make your decisions and I'll support you. You know, um, but for me, I guess part of like I wear different hats, right? A chiropractor, Mercier therapist soon to be a wife, soon like mother, things like that. But a doula hat I wear, and one thing I have set really hard boundaries on is, um, you know, the types of doula clients I do take on and the location of their births. And I didn't used to be so boundary oriented there. But um, yeah, I do like there's a lot of a lot of variety of people inside my practice. That it's interesting you say that our midwives and doulas had crazy boundaries. You have to in that in that scene. Yeah. And then from there they were like wide open. Yep. Kind of yep. like raising a kid. They treat us like little kids, like my kids. I have crazy boundaries. And within those boundaries, you, you can do whatever you want. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. yours. Yeah. Dying up in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um you're you're um Oh, tell me more about this practice, this, this office you're opening up and, and, and what was the name? Of, I, I keep wanting to say the name of the city, but I'm afraid I'm going to ruin it. Was it Bronzewell? New Braunfels. Braunfels, New Braunfels. Yeah. Where, is, where is that? Is that near Austin? So it's in between Austin and San Antonio, right on the 35 kind of corridor. Okay. And um, yeah, I've been practicing in Austin since I moved back to Texas and something, my intuition spoke, something called and there's nobody in New Braunfels that's doing what I want to do or doing what I do. And New Braunfels is the fifth growing, like fifth growingest, if that's a phrase, like growing a city in the United States, which is freaking crazy. Wow. And it's the town I grew up in. It's where, you know, I went to middle school, high school, did all, did all the things, partied in the fields and there's no fields anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll be opening what will be called Willow House in January of 2022. So. That that's what it's called, Willow House. Yeah. And, and and what's your um future husband? What's your fiance do? So Lance Cantu is his name. Lance is your. <laughs> yes. Holy shit. Wow, what a small world. Did this just turn into a three-hour podcast? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I've always had a um uh, quite an interesting connection with him. I met him um uh, uh interesting because I don't want to be presumptuous and, and say that he feels the same, but from the time no, I met him, you. I <laughs> always felt so close to him. Yeah, he what loves a you. Trip. Yeah. Holy shit that I didn't know that. <laughs> That's so weird. Did you know the whole time I didn't know that? No, I had no idea. <laughs> that is so weird. It's, um, you know, so what's, I, I normally, when someone's going to come on the podcast, I dig through like all their shit. I'm glad and, like, you I, did it. <laughs> and I, as I'm starting to dig through your shit, I'm like, man, I better, this is one I better just like come up with a ton of questions and write down questions and not know too much because I feel like there's a ton. Of, I don't want to make any presuppositions. Like yeah. a lot of people will be like, I can't believe you asked that question. Like it was a dumb question, but I think really simple things need to be figured out. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So you Lance is your fiance. Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. I know. So what a small world. 
What a small world. So this CrossFit community is extremely incestuous. It is so crazy. The feds need to look into this shit. Yes. This can't be legal. <laughs> so we reconnected. Apparently we had met each other at like games and events, like when the games were happening in LA, but I don't remember it. And neither does he, because he was like, you know, working. How do you piece it together if neither of you remember it? So I asked some of my friends, like Asia Bartow, Leah Bartow. I even asked my- Are they in Texas too? Yeah, they're in Houston. I just started following Asia again. My people keep telling me I got to have them on the podcast. So oh my like, God. I love Asia. He's one of my favorite humans. Yeah, he was a great guy. The awesome little bit I've had with him. Yeah. So, okay. So I was at their first birth as their doula. You can ask him that story. Wow. Um, and then I missed their second birth because it happened so fast. Theirs is the only birth I've ever missed. So you're on the way there and you, and, and you get there. Well, and a baby. I get the call from Asia and it was like a Sunday night. This is for their second baby. And this is a home birth. And, um, Asia's like, I think things are happening or it was a text is, I think things are happening. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to pack my bag. And then I get a text an hour later, baby's here. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what happened? Like, Did he birth the baby by himself? Just the two of them? No, their midwife, thank God, lived five minutes away. So she made it. Um, but he didn't get the anything situated. Like right. the tub, nothing. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> so, so, so through the, your friends, they you piece together. Okay, I've met Lance before. Yeah, we met each other. Okay, totally. Yeah, and so we reconnected at Murph last May. Um, What's Murph? Is that the name of a gym or or, or talking no, about the, the Murph workout? Event? Okay. Yeah, the Murph event. Um, CrossFit Central was the only gym in Austin that was open at the time and having Murph. And you know, as a CrossFitter, this is like a tradition. Right. And, I feel like I'm so drawn. This is one of my favorite workouts to do or, you know, it's, it has a lot of meaning. And so I went and that's where we reconnected. It's like, are you Lindsay? Are you Lance? And then kind of ever since then we were inseparable. Yeah. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's, it's funny that, um, you, you know, you might be at a rave and you may be high on MDMA and you meet someone and, you think they're your soulmate, but but I, I, I but they're not. You were just high on drugs, I, and that's the same with Lance and Lindsay. They were high on Murph, <laughs> and they're, they're high on endorphins. Their pheromones and all that shit got all twisted no up. Clothes, as they, nothing as they ran by each other. That shit got all, <laughs> and they can't get no. away from each other now. They need like, to make babies together. No. <laughs> um. Sh- sh- should people, why do people want babies? Why not just, um, mm. why not know that you're with a mate and then just make love and let the rest Fall into place. Yeah. Sort of put pressure on yourself. So let's say from when you're 16 to you're 30, you're just fucking. And then you meet someone and then and then when you're 30, you 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 start really wanting to settle down with someone or, or maybe even before and you see the value. And, and man, I had Emily uh, Abbott on podcast and she said uh. something crazy to me about monogamy that just kind of blew me away that monogamy 
I always knew that your parents and relationships were a place to do great spiritual growth and work if both, if everyone's willing, well, with your parents, it's a little different, but with your mate that were just mirrors and it's a really important place to start doing spiritual work to realize you're not fighting with someone, but that there's a problem outside of you that you guys both need to reconcile and keep mm-hmm. moving forward. But what, and then when I asked my mom, why did you have me? And she said, your father and I wanted to make a love baby. And that really uh, hit me like a ton of bricks. And I remember before we had, my wife and I knew we were never going to get married and we knew we were never going to have kids. And then when she started hanging out, there were some women around us who were breastfeeding and, and, and some other factors, some, some things people said to her. Um, and uh, they, this one lady said, if you have a baby, you won't regret it. If you don't have a baby, you might regret it. Mm. and that hit my wife like a ton of bricks. And then she said it to me. So then one day she's like, Hey, let's just start. Let's just, if we have a baby, we have a baby. So basically we just stopped using protection. (laughs) That was what we did. (laughs) Yeah. And then, but then, but I also thought, okay, I need to be more, I got to stop like fucking my wife. Like just be like, I got to like, like start making love to my wife Yeah. because it's like, I don't know if it's true or not. Yes. It's like what you were saying. I need, and and there's nothing wrong with fucking. I don't mean to say that there's something wrong with it, but I I want to tantalize the correct spirit. Even if it's, this is bullshit. I'm okay with it being bullshit. I want to tantalize the correct spirit to come into my wife. Yeah. That spirit to feel. I think sex and orgasm and conception and all that, like where those all meet in the intersection of that is where God happens where the spiritual happens. And you're right. Like I need to shift my mindset from fucking to I'm making love to my wife. I'm making, I'm really trying to bond with this person. Yes. Yes. I'm really letting go of all the connection. We're vulnerable. Yeah. All the layers are off. Like, yeah, I'm here. We're present together. It's so powerful. And she really didn't put a lot and she didn't put a lot of pressure on herself. At least I don't think so. Maybe I I need to ask her again, but I always felt like it was like, if we have a baby, we have a baby. If we don't, we don't. Yeah. I just don't get why someone would want a baby. If you did, if you didn't have one, like after I had one, I was like, Oh man, I need like 10 of these. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's in our biology. Like if we smell a baby or like, your wife being exposed to like other women breastfeeding, like it is. Yeah, she was terrible. literally like, Hey, I want to try that. Yeah. Like, like, right. Like it's, someone rides by on a bike. She no. wanted to get on that bike. I'm like, what? You yeah. Try that. <laughs> yeah. And then when we're with somebody that ignites the smell and the pheromones and ignites our hormones, it's like in our DNA. Hey, like it's so primal, you know? Um, and it's, you know, like speaking of cycles, like at various parts of our menstrual cycle, like, oh my God, I can't, I just want to like, Lance is the sexiest person, like the sweat coming off of him. I can't wait to make a baby with, and then other parts you're like, I don't even want to be touched. Like, right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it is. How lucky we are that we work out with our mates. Do you work, you work out with Lance? Yeah, we, we try to do it at least once a week um, where we're like working out together and then in passing, like if the other one's working out, we'll come out there and sit in the garage and like just be supportive for, of the other person. But I think it's so key. Yeah. yeah how do you, um, I understand how some couples might not like working out together, but like I, if my wife, if I know my wife is in the garage working out, I'll go in there. Yeah. Just, just to stare. Yeah. 
I mean, 20 years of just staring. I'll go in because I want to see her. I just want to see her move around and do thrusters and shit and push-ups. And and I take the boys in there and we just stare, taunt her, jump on her, (laughs) you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. And I think that's so cool. It's so amazing to be in awe of your mate and just to see them just moving through things, having confidence, working on themselves, you know, that's, that's so sexy. It's huge. What's going to happen to your, by the way, our, our midwife who was, they were, they were all so good. There was the, the, there was, and they were so different. They were so different. One was really intensely cerebral and the other one was not. Yeah. Um, but but one of our midwives, I don't want to say she was the best one. They were all so good. But this one just <laughs> was just a powerhouse of stillness. I mean, like the same way, like just a mountain is so powerful, even though it's yeah. not doing shit. Um, Ooh, and she didn't have babies. Yeah, she, she did. There... I, go ahead. I thought I heard another voice. Oh, it might have been the outside. There's a oh. lawn guy. Um, oh. <laughs> there was she a. Did... She didn't have any babies, and and I think that um, I could be making this up, and I think it was maybe an insecurity on her part, but mm. but it didn't need to be. It did yeah. not need to be at all because she delivered. I think some women think like, oh, my my midwife has to have had a baby, or she needs to have known that experience. She didn't. Right, like, and there was no people, there was no shortcoming from her. Yeah, I used to be a little bit insecure about that early on in my career because I didn't know if I wanted kids or not. Um, I hadn't come to that conclusion with myself yet. And I met an awesome older doula that she never had babies. And she was, like you said, a mountain, like that's a really beautiful description. She was like, you just show up and your, your clients will find you. You'll be fine. Like just show up as you. Um, the other thing she told me was, um, does every heart surgeon have to have a heart attack or have, Hmm. um, you know, heart issues. Like, do you ask them that? And I was like, well, that's brilliant. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. You're right. How, how will having a baby change your, your practice? You think, do you have any, any speculation on that? Hmm. <laughs> well, I will definitely take time off. Um, but like you said, um, you know, early on when Lance and I first, and I don't know if he'll, crush me for give me shit for sharing all the juicy details. But um, when we first connected, we kind of talked about all the hard stuff, you know, like, do you, do you believe in marriage? Do you want to get married? Do you, do you want to have kids? What does that look like? You know, for me, I was like, will you have a home birth? Like (laughs) that sort of thing. Yeah. I'd never thought of that. Sure. Um, (laughs) But um, you know, we both said we were open to kids but we didn't want to go down, um, you know, the assisted reproductive technology route that just wasn't for either of us. And so that was cool. You know, like if it happens, it happens, you know? Um, and you know, I think if it's definitely for some people, but it's not for us. And so, you know, we put that on the table early on and, um, like, like you said, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we're living with the loves of our lives for the rest of our lives. And that's what we're choosing to do. Um, so yeah, in the practical sense, um, I think, um, I'll definitely take off for a few months and, um, I've got an awesome team at Willow house that will support me. And so that would be huge. Um, 
my mom is also close and she is very supportive and <laughs> willing to do whatever we tell her. That's awesome. Yeah. You have your mom there. Awesome. Yeah. And we've like, my mom and I have rekindled and done like, it's been so great being back in Texas. And, um, I think the turning point for my mom and my relationship, because if you don't grow up, like we grew up close, but not like attached. And, um, you know, cause we never, I never had that bonding with her. Um, but whenever I was going through the miscarriage, I, she called me and it was like, she just knew. And, um, I was like, mom, I'm going through this, you know, I'm okay. Like no need to sound the alarms. Um, she didn't think twice or anything. She just drove up to my house in Austin, showed up and on the front, like rang the doorbell and she was there. And I didn't ask her to do any of that. And what she said to me was so huge. She said, I don't know what to say, Lindsay, because I've never experienced this, but I just want you to know I'm here for you. And I was like, that was the most beautiful thing she's ever said in her life. And I was like, gosh, shit, come on in. Like, we're all good. Like, (laughs) we're good. Everyone needs a mama. Yeah, totally. And at some point in your life, like, just let all the shit go. And just like, we just sat on the couch with the dog and just talked and she cooked me food. She did laundry. We went for little walks and it was wonderful. Does she uh, like Lance? Oh, she loves Lance. Yeah. What's there yeah. not to love? <laughs> yeah. But, oh my gosh, I will. Sh- I don't know if I should share this. Yes, of course. No one makes it this far in the podcast anyway. Everyone's already turned it on. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the first time she met Lance was the first, the time we told her we were pregnant and we were at dinner and she, she goes, what? And then for like 20 minutes, she just rambled and we didn't know what she was saying. It was just like (laughs) her body, all the circuits crossed. It it was just chaos. (laughs) And then she came back and she was like, okay, I'm back. And at that moment, we're like, mom, we're like 38, 37 years old. We're good. Like she goes, I, I know. I just thought y'all were like 16. <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah, that was the first time she met him. <laughs> um, Brian Henniger um, said a comment. Uh, one note to Sevon's early comments about having a baby at home versus hospital. Totally understand that choice and it makes sense for some. But if your kid comes out not breathing and you need to nick you, way different story. So first of all, I want to say I, I hear you. A hundred percent. No one wants to see a baby die. Second of all, um, my, uh, one of my, my, one of my babies did come out not breathing and was as gray as, as ash and yeah. arms, arms were so limp when they held the little baby, six pound baby up that its arms were touching behind its back. Mm. And it looked like a fake baby. Like you would buy it like a Halloween store to throw in your lawn at Halloween. Um, and, um, and they resuscitated the baby just like with, with basically a mask and something yeah. like just squeeze. It looked like it was fell out of 1920 medical kit. And um, if you, if you look at, if you look at the literature uh, and I, and I don't mean to pick something so controversial, but if you look at the literature for the measles um, vaccine, you will see that uh, uh, in the 10 years prior to the measles vaccine being released, 500 people died a year prior to the measles vaccine. And because 500 people died from measles, supposedly, now we're taking this on their word, and I take it on their word, 
but I w- I'm not willing to bet my life on it. But they're saying that 500 people died a year for the 10 years prior to the measles vaccine coming out. And because of that, it was it was paramount that every child on the planet, or at yeah. least in the United States, get an injection for measles. Now, for me, with my my limited math skills, which are ju- I do have incredible third grade math skills. I know people think they're joking <laughs> when they say that, but like I, it, in simple addition, uh, subtraction, multiplication, division, I am extremely quick and I contextualize everything. I'm faster than Einstein at that shit. But beyond that, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a great thinker, yeah. like with quadratic equation and calculus. So I apologize. But um, the risk mitigation um, um, to give every kid on the planet a shot to save 500 kids immediately sets off red flags everywhere. Yeah, immediately, because there's so much room for human error that even if the measles vaccine were perfect in every way, you have to imagine that it wasn't stored at the right temperature. The concoction was fucked up. The nurse is going to put the needle in the wrong spot. There's going to be kids who have adverse reactions. And with all of those in place, you are not saving. You you are now taking a risk that causes more damage than good. And at that level, now you're doing Nazi eugenic shit like you really have now treaded into really dangerous waters. And with the same logic, Mm -hmm. if you're going to start applying the logic to save 500 kids a year, you have to start looking at everything. Yeah. And that's what scares me, the precedent. So 12,000 people in the United States die falling down stairs every year. Are we going to remove all stairs? How many people are saved by stairs and burning fires that we need to save those stairs? Like there becomes a point where Mm – you have to use um, some really simple math and some risk assessment. And so by that, I mean, I, I hear you. I, we can come up with millions of cases, I'm sure, where babies had to have been born in the hospital. I, I, I hear you. But yeah. there has to be. Um, well, I'll add the, um, please. the please. infant. I, I, that's about as calm as I can stay, by the way. That's yeah. about as calm as I can stay. So, and, and I appreciate the conversation. I'm just yeah. a, I'm just a crybaby. The I'll I'll add a few things. Okay. Um, those that do out of hospital births, and I'm not talking free births. I'm talking midwives, um, like CNM, CNM, CPMs, or out of hospital OBs. And there's a great out of hospital OB, Dr. Stu Fishbein. And you can look him up, birthinginstincts.com. And he does put that out, mean he's a real? Does that mean he's a doctor? He went to medical school. Yeah, and okay. he is in Southern California. And because, like you said, there's no midwives can't deliver um, twins or breach out of hospitals in Southern California or in California, or it's really restricted. He does a lot of breach and um, multiple births in Southern California out of the hospital. And his transfer rates are still well below 15 percent to the hospital. So check out his like he puts all his stuff on his website. The other thing I'll say is um, over 98% of births happen in the hospital. And we still have one of the worst infant mortality rates and maternal mortality rates out of all industrialized countries. And so if we're just using common sense here, where do majority of the births happen? In the hospital. Why are we not looking at the procedures and what's going on in the hospitals to influence these infant and maternal mortality rates. You know, um, I, are the mortality rates higher in the hospital than on home births? Oh, that's a great question. I think so, but I don't know if there's ever been a side-by-side study. Um, the other thing I would say is 
like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, like if there's any yellow flags or orange flags or red flags, they're addressed right away. And like your midwife told you, we're not, we won't be having this baby at home. We'll be going to the hospital. And that's because there's so much red tape around everything and they need to cover their ass. Um, so there is a ton of screening, like Dr. Stu does a ton of screening if he's going to do a vaginal breech birth at home. Um, and he's, he has, what's breech breech is like when your feet are coming out. Yeah. When your booty or your feet are coming out first and breech used to be a variation of normal until there was, um, something called the term breech trial that was, um, in the year 2000 that said it was unsafe. And since then that study has been debunked and found Oh shit. Yeah. And so there's a great, are you telling me that? Okay. Go watch the documentary heads up, man. Um, Heads up is a great documentary on breech birth. And it tells tells us how we got to the state of where we're at with breech birth in America now. And unfortunately they stopped teaching the art of breech in medical schools. And so there's a generation of OBs that are like my age, your age, that don't know how to deliver breach. The older OBs have been taught the art and skill of breach. And there are some that have chosen to learn from these, like midwives and OBs. But, you know, there's a chunk of people or surgeons, OBs, that don't know. They've never seen a breach birth. They've probably never seen a natural birth. Um, yeah, like that doctor said he hadn't seen a natural birth in his hospital in San yeah. Diego in six months. I was like, what the f- Yeah. How dare you come in here and say that? But there's a comment yeah. here really quick. It says fear drives people to have babies in hospitals. Absolutely. 100%. That's exactly where we were. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's why my wife and I were going to the hospital. We were scared Absolutely. to death. Her vagina had no idea how to give a baby. We needed doctors. Yeah. So we what were is scared. The, yeah. Course. You're terrified because you're like, oh my God, I got to do everything right. Yes. Well, one thing I work on with couples whenever, you know, they're my doula clients is getting really clear on their values and how we like make decisions at every fork in the road based on love and not fear. Because if we make decisions on fear, we're going to end up having regret. We're going to have so much just resentment in those decisions. And, you know, we go back and look at, oh, my God, what if I would have made that decision? You know, Can you give me an like, example of that? Sorry to put you on the spot, but a decision, let's say, so a decision of fear versus a yeah. decision of love. Okay. Thank yeah. you. So vaccines is a great one. Um, okay. And, you know, since we were in school, like I'm 38 years old now, I was born in 1983. Uh, so by the way, don't ever say our age again. I'm 49. <laughs> I'm 11 years your senior. When I was a senior in college, you were in the first grade. Uh, so even, okay. <laughs> you, you still had skid marks in your underwear and I was clearly wiping my butt already. How dare you? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, okay. So vaccines, fear yeah. versus love. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned measles. You mentioned like all of these. By other- the way, you better watch out. You're going to get twins. That's okay, what happened. I'm, the I doctor know. said to my wife that over 35 that you drop multiple eggs. So you, and she, I think People she had tell me that all the time. Yeah. You're going to get twins. <laughs> I hope you do, by the way, nothing better. <laughs> the greatest thing ever. Okay. Sorry. Um, Fear versus love. Sorry. So, you know, they scare the shit out of these parents with, Oh, you got to do erythromycin. You got to do vitamin K. You got to do um, the Hep B. You got to do 
all these things immediately when baby comes out and let me like baby comes out with 25% of their brain developed within the first year, they develop 60% of their brain. And by two to three years old, 90% of the brain develops. Like my whole thing is like, why not just wait? Like, why not wait and let that baby just be next to mom, next to dad, next to immediate caregivers, skin to skin, let them learn how to co-regulate with you, with you, the, because there it's the fourth trimester, the whole first year postpartum. Um, but instead it's the fear that scares people into, oh, well, I don't want my kid to get sick. I don't want my kid to get measles. I don't want them to get diphtheria or any like pertussis or any of this. And so that's, that's the whole game of, um, you know, the injection industry, the pharmaceutical industries, let's just, you know, require more and more jabs and vaccinations. And, you know, by the time I graduated high school, there was maybe, you know, less than 20 that were required to attend public school. Now there's well over 60 doses that are required for an individual to attend public school. And um, in some states like California, they're mandatory to go to public school. Well, like, just like, think about think your- about that real quick. What she just said, people, my yeah. kids, my three kids have to take 60 injections made by Pfizer. Yeah. And and I don't, I don't care what you're going to say. Well, you can get them from a donor. Just shut up and listen to the story. It's big, big picture people. It's, it's insane. To go to school. To go to you, school, my kids have to get sixty for. injections. Thank God. And my wife, my wife said this to me when my boy was born, and I'm like, "So do it. It's the right thing to do." And my wife's like, "No, we're not doing it." And I'm like, "Okay, cool, fine." But I thought she was a wackadoodle. I thought she was a complete wackadoodle. And now I've started doing the research. And, and, and going back to the measles thing, the if you look at the measles outbreak was outbreaks we've had in California, it's something like one third of the kids who got the measles They're already vaccinated. were already vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and by the way, no one there, I, I don't think you will ever find someone who's gotten the measles twice or the chicken pox twice. You cannot find it, but you can find millions of cases where people have gotten the vaccine and then get it. Okay. Oh, so those are just the outlier cases, right? Those millions. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so you're saying that's the, like act from a place of love yeah, and like Versus these little fear. these little humans come out just like pure and gold, and they're but Lindsay. I love my kid. That's why I want to protect them, and I want to give them the injection. But I love my kid. I want to protect them. But if you, yeah, if you really love them, look at the ingredients. Like if you're looking at spending all the money on a baby stroller or all the like all the things for the nursery, you can do the same amount, put the same amount of energy and output for researching what's going in and on your body and in and on your baby's body during that first year of life. Like I think it's huge. There, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. I think it's called dissolving illusions. Mm. Maybe if my wife's listening, she'll text it to me, <laughs> but there's a book. My There's a book. My right wife read 
that really, really affected her. And it's basically all of the studies. I also have been com- extremely damaged by the hundreds of experts. In, in the final two years, Greg Glassman was at um, CrossFit. He started inviting world-renowned experts like John Iannotti. Well, Iannotti's never came, but tons of experts to come to CrossFit headquarters and speak, mm. doctors and scientists. And we started learning about all the crazy manipulation that was going on. And these were like top, top scientists yeah. And uh, and you realize that the entire pharmaceutical industry is basically built on, um, like you're saying, fears. I've never heard it quite worded that way, the way you said it, choose between fear and love. Um, but the whole pharmaceutical industry is basically built on fear and lies and manipulation. And, and, yeah, and, and statins grabs, is the real bad one. Statins is atrocious. Yeah, and it grabs parents, you know, when they're most vulnerable in this motherhood parenthood transition and like you just said like i want to do the right thing like they yes they want to do the right thing so bad and you pull at their heartstrings but what's on the other side of that is just profit like that's it's it's a money maker um so i when people ask my opinion i say you can always um you can always wait but you can never unvaccinate so why not wait oh there's this there's this thing um when um it's so cool having my own show. I can just I can just call my wife. Let's see. She's only in the room next door. Let's see if she answers. We'll hear kids like screaming and shit. More oatmeal. My eggs are overcooked. Haley, answer. When when our babies were born, there's this test that they want to do on their feet. They want to get blood. And so they're supposed mm. to prick their- like the heel prick. Yeah. It's a heel. They do it in the hospital and, and it's a ton of heel pricks. It's not like they yeah. prick the heel once and get some blood and then use it for all the tests. I, I don't know how many times they prick the baby's heel, but it's a fucking ridiculous amount, yeah. like six, 16 times or something to get 16 droplets. So our midwife said, Hey, do you want us to do these tests? And I said, what are they for? And they're, and they told me what they're for. And it was all foreign to me. So I sat down on the internet and I started looking up what these tests were for. And these tests were for looking for basically your baby's ability to digest certain proteins. And if it didn't have that ability, your baby would starve to death and die and you wouldn't know it. It was a very subtle, slow kind of weird death. Yeah. We were all around that. So I'm like, well, shit, this is, this needs to be this done. Seems okay. Yeah. So then I started looking for cases of those. It was one in 500,000 births. Yeah. I don't even think there are 500,000 births in California every year. So that means that you, like it was crazy. So then, so then I started looking. Yeah, when you for, look at the numbers, yes. So then I started looking at studies at um, for any studies that had been done on nerve damage or anything that damage that had been done to babies whose feet had been pricked. Ooh. And I found one study, and it was on rats. And they did the same amount of pricks on their feet when they were born that they did on babies to mimic this. And the outcomes were horrendous. Like what they noticed about how those rats behave versus rats that didn't have that. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's There's like- so much. It's like you said about the brain development. We project onto kids. We talk about how resilient they are. They are super duper resilient. Yeah. I, I hear you, but here's how they're not resilient. They are basically sponges. And so although you won't kill them, you will damage them on a, such a deep level it's when they're cellular. between zero and three. Yes. That they'll never recover. They'll carry that shit. Like, like, like 
till the rest. I'm going to say something that's really going to be so silly, but it's the difference between whether you play your kids CDs or records or sing to your kids with your live voice before the age of two will all have a profound impact on them. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting one is better. I'm using that as just like an example of the minutiae. This smells everything. And as a parent, you actually see it happening in real time. You won't believe how quickly they respond. And then you can't go back. There's no homeostasis with raising kids. You're either making them better or worse. There's totally. no middle ground. Yeah. None. There's no like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. It's not like that. Yeah. Especially like, like yeah, it's, uh, you're there. Like you said, they're basically sponges and they're absorbing everything, especially through the ages of like seven, eight, nine years old. Yeah. When, what are your thoughts on? So, so, um, I, I I have what I think are just the healthiest kids alive. Yeah, I think they're pretty rad. Um, that we we don't do anything with them. Um, we they're just dirt toilers. They just run around barefoot. They they only wear shoes if if they want to wear shoes. They want to wear shoes when they play skateboard. Yeah. Um, they wear shoes when they play tennis. And other than that, they're pretty much always barefoot. We've taken. They don't have a pediatrician. They just don't. They just don't do the any of that stuff. They haven't taken the traditional path. Um, but my kids were also born um, vaginally and they were born and, and they weren't f- not out of any plan. They weren't bathed for months, like just because yeah. I just can't explain it. Like the baby comes out, it's on the mom's boob and then that's it. And like to take the baby anywhere else seems just wrong. Yeah. Like you just feel it. That's just where the baby is. And then, and then they breastfed until they were 18 months. And I think my wife would still be breastfeeding them if I hadn't kind of like talked her out of it, like, 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 like 18 <laughs> months, but like, maybe I was wrong. Maybe they should still be breastfeeding. But anyway, she breastfed them all for 18 months. And I think the reason why she stopped breastfeeding Avi was someone told us that if when the twins come, she stops breastfeeding Avi, he'll build a resentment against them because he'll know oh. You pulled him off the tit for them. And I think that that was pretty good advice. So about a month or two before the twins came, she stopped breastfeeding Avi. And my wife would put breast milk on everything. Like if they had a cut, if their eye had like something in it, she would just squeeze some out, some off her boob and just rub it on their eye or just squirt it directly into their eye. And I just feel like those two components between vaginal birth and breastfeeding set my kids up for just like made them bomb proof and not bathing them right away. Just like all that goop on them. And yeah, it's so big for gut development and just brain development. Then like developing the neural capacities. It's it's huge. Um, There's studies out there that show that babies that um, are born in the hospital cesarean um, the first things to inhabit their gut are like staph and strep. Whereas, you know, that's not the case for a vaginal birth. And then they go to the boob. Um, it's quite the opposite. It's, um, like lactobacillus or something else. That's but, scary. What yeah. You said. It's, it's totally scary. Um, and there's studies out there that show like babies that were born via cesarean have higher rates of like allergies, asthma, um, autoimmune stuff, because like, and if you relate that to autoimmune stuff to the gut, like it makes perfect sense. Like their gut didn't have time to develop. And, um, like the, I think that 
most record, like if you can breastfeed past six months, then you've gotten like majority of the benefits um, for, you know, breast milk, antibodies, developing the gut. Um, and I forget what the World Health Organi- Organization recommends. It might be six months minimum. Um, but um, that's, it's so crucial for just laying down a foundation and, the gut and immune system just thrive when that happens first. Um, so I would say, yeah, that's y'all, y'all set your kids up with huge success. Like if you compare it to my upbringing, like or mine, yeah, the opposite, you know, it wasn't, right. wasn't the case at all. Um, so yeah. And my kids huge. don't get sick. I and bet. When they, and when they do get sick, when my wife had um, COVID, they they all still slept in the bed with her. Every they yeah. come over to the bed at three in the morning. They're all in bed with her. She still kissed them on the lips, like, and they all got runny noses and stuff. But they just their body naturally filtered it out. They just yeah, they yeah. just still did all their. Yeah. That's that natural immune stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? You know, so my kids on on the Halloween went they they went trick or treating. They ate some candy, and my kids don't eat candy. It was funny. They, like when they see it, it's funny. They they learn stuff for the first time from it. But and then um, that night, the, um, when my oldest son came to our bed, like at probably three or four in the morning, my wife said, "Oh, he's so warm," uh, and she could feel from all the sugar that he was having some sort of like reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's also it the, the what's also interesting in this goes back to like helping kids versus hurting kids is you know the studies like there's kids who have go, who are allergic to honey and peanuts and they and if you give it to them late in life or later on in life they go into anaphylactic shock and they could die but if you look at they did some studies and basically kids that were exposed to it earlier were way significantly mm. less allergic to it when they're older so by trying to help these few kids the small percentage of kids who would be hurt by it when they're older, you're actually hurting the whole herd and making them weaker yeah. by not exposing everyone to it. Yeah. Wild. Is, um, is, is birth fit, um, um, full time. And I, I, I picture just all women. Is it, it, do you just work with women? Like mostly is are yeah, all your like women. peers. Um, like when I watch the UFC, like at the weigh-ins, it's all dudes. And I think, Oh, birth is probably the opposite <laughs> of that. It's just all women. Yeah, I work with all women um, and I have for, you know, close to a decade now. Some of our leaders have um, different populations that they work with. um, And, you know, it just depends on their geographical location. But majority of what comes through BirthFit is women for sure. And how 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 is that? Like, so you're going to get married to a man, but you work in a vocation. I wonder if that's like for a woman marrying an NFL player. I wonder if you're like, <laughs> yeah. like, 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 he's just with dudes all the time. Yeah. It's, um, or do you I, not even know what it's like because it's the only thing you know? Yeah. I probably a little of both in the sense of like, I come home and I like love the masculine energy that Lance exudes and that's at the house and, you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Um, yeah, I just don't think I know any different. <laughs> yeah. And he's a pretty manly dude too. So it's probably yeah. a good balance. It takes like a thousand women, a thousand uh, uh, women to make, to balance out Lance, all of Lance's uh, <laughs> masculinity. Um, 
is um is is does BirthFit run itself or are you still involved in like the day-to-day operations? I'm trying to figure out how yeah. you're gonna balance. I know it's none of it's, my business, but not, how are you gonna balance this new chiropractic clinic? Um a a, a new relationship, yeah. two new two new relationships, a husband and a baby, and um and BirthFit. Yeah, so BirthFit um doesn't require as much time as it once did. Um I have an awesome team. There's four of us, Leah Barto a woman named Hannah King and then Kat Haggerty, who's in, well, her name changed. She got married, but she's in Montana. Hannah's in um, Kentucky and Leah's here in Texas, but um, we're, we're pretty on top of things and, you know, we've got systems and organization much better than we had in the past. Um, So, yeah, I would say it probably requires anywhere from four to 10 hours of work a week right now. Um, some weeks are definitely more than that. Um, it just depends on what kind of projects we're working on, but yeah. I bet you if I asked Lance, she says four to 10 hours. Is that true? He'll be like, no. He would say, well, he meant 14 to 100 hours. She forgot a a digit on each end. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, and, and birth fit is for, um, anybody from, the thought of maybe wanting a baby to have already had a baby and you want to make sure that your life's it's, it's a, it's a place to bring your body and your mind to get them tuned up anywhere in that process between um, in, in the baby making process from thought to have had the baby. Yeah. So definitely we call it a holistic motherhood transition program. So there's a lot more than just fitness. There's um, all the birth education stuff that I've had, you know, over the years sprinkled in throughout our prenatal training program on the postpartum side of things. There's like really intentional rehab and we take people from lying in for 30 days through the birth at basics and then into postpartum training. So we take them through the first five months of um, postpartum. And um, there's community support, like there's a chat section. We have a once a month um, support session where people can sign on to like a Zoom video, ask questions, hang out, say hello. Um, yeah, and it's. I think the community aspect, like I said before, is is huge. Are there any all of these? All of these groups, I don't know what you call them, but like these these birthing classes, any of these places where these women congregate, these um, uh, uh, the, these uh, Pilates birth class, like anywhere Anything. these women congregate. What were we saying? Yeah, any of those. Yeah, just what? Just imagine anyone. Um, the any anywhere where women gather to start having babies, there is a that's outside of the. Um, for lack of a better term, the, 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 the corporate organized ones. Yeah. Are there any that are like pro, um, hospital birth pro, like oh. pro, pro vaccine, like, yeah. Like, is I there would... Anywhere where you, when, when you're, when you're not influenced by the outside world, by, yeah. by, by pharma and vaccines and the food companies and the hospitals, do any women determine on their own, oh, actually vaccines are better. Oh, actually going to the hospital is better. Or once you kind of remove that, does everyone always come up with the same? I think 
Yeah, once you remove... I can't tell if I'm biased or if it's just it doesn't work like that. Yeah, I think, well, there are a number of birth education classes and series that still promote just standard procedures and protocols. Um, but Brought I think, to you by Bayer? <laughs> no, but they're... Um, I don't want to like put any, put any, put any of them on blast, but they're, right. they're, they're common names, you know, like they've been around and um, I just, they're like the McDonald's of, 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 yeah. And they just haven't looked any deeper, you know, um, or done their research or look at the numbers um, where I think with us, we're like, okay, just like, look, look deeper, go explore the numbers. Does that make sense? And then what is your why here? Um, and I think whether there are birth classes that are happening in the hospital or birth classes that are happening, you know, at a birth center or wherever, like even one of the midwives, which was a CNM, a nurse midwife I worked with, she still pushed vaccines, but it's because she was a nurse midwife and, you know, was part is basically part of the medical model, you know? Right. Um, so I still think some people are jaded and it takes, it takes, um, you know, a lot, lots of undoing yes. to unlearn, you know, the things. Even, yeah. even, even me, I mean, I, I, I thought homeschooling and, and, and not taking the, the prescribed vaccine schedule, I thought you were, you had to be a complete wackadoo, yeah. but it's crazy. If you just start scratching the surface, what you see yeah, underneath totally. it is, I, I think also that this, the, um, I think that there's a ton of people, including myself, who've had every vaccine um, needed. Every time I traveled, I took Same. all the vaccines. Yeah. I take ton of and I would take a ton of antibiotics. I think that this, what's happened with SARS-CoV-2, um, ha- has opened up a lot of people. People's totally. eyes. It's made them totally. realize, like, wait a second. They're if like, they're lying, because they're right lying here. about. Say that again. Yeah, they're like, this isn't right here. What's happening over here? Right. It's, it's, it's like catching, it's like, um, it's like, uh, I, I don't know, you, you, I hate to use this example, but you catch your mate cheating on you. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, this isn't the first person they've cheated on me with. They've cheated on me with yeah. like 200 people. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, oh, if like, it's so obvious that this, in, uh, the story's coming out about this injection and who's getting sick and who's not getting yeah. sick. Did they lie to me about this shit over here too? And then mm-hmm. I think that, um, it's pulling the yeah. jail back. <clears throat> yeah, it's hard. It's so hard. I'm so lucky that I had my wife. Yes. So fucking a rock lucky. star. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's she's uh she told me no arm wrestling table in the living room and the kids won't be getting vaccinated. I said, Yes, ma'am. <laughs> she's not very bossy, but on those things she was pretty uh she's That's not bossy awesome. at all. I call her uh, um I call my wife Nagless. She has no nagging in her. <laughs> she's awesome. She must have got vaccinated for it. <laughs> inoculated <laughs> oh Lindsay, thank you for your yeah. two hours and uh 36 I know. minutes i really appreciate it i appreciate you and your yeah. podcast um i would love to uh hear more um after you have your baby like uh i would love to we'll talk in the future yeah i would love to, i'd love yeah. to hear i want to hear all about it awesome uh give lance a big hug you can even squeeze a butt for me why not i will <laughs> all right Bye, Sam.